Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode Putting Up a Fight because pretty much everything in it, now that I think about it, is about fighting in some way. We've got our thoughts on all the big news from the Final Smash Bros. Direct last week, we have impressions of Switch's new free-to-play fighter, Brawlhalla, and we're going to examine just what it'll take for Nintendo to win the fight that is the 2018 holidays. Uh, that last one's actually particularly interesting because Nintendo has that pesky self-made goal of theirs of selling 20 million Switches this fiscal year. And they uh, they still need to sell a solid like 15 million-ish in order to pull that off. So we'll be looking at how they can do that, if they can do that, uh, kind of through the lens of the latest financial report and the news briefing that came with it and comments from their president. Plus, we've also got impressions of a second game, uh, Chicken... Chicken. Ultimate Chicken Horse. There you go. There we go. I got it. Uh, rumors of a Zelda TV show... A lot more, so uh, use timestamps or amtown.com on the blog posters episode, or if you're in our YouTube video, they should be below in the description. Uh, but really, there's only one place we can start, and that's Super Smash Brothers with the Smash Bros. Direct. This is, I think, the last slice of Smash Bros. that we'll be getting before the game launches in, what, under, a little this. under a month? We may have done this, but just so that um, I could stop thinking about it, yeah. I'm Angel. I don't remember saying I'm Angel. You you did. Yeah, I did, but this you, is just me. Did. Yeah, I, he, I don't remember for some reason. I'm Jason, by the way. It's nice to meet you guys. I, um, I, I've been cursed with um, amnesia, that, like the Pokemon move. So. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. Are you just gonna randomly blurt out that you're confused every so often and hurt yourself in confusion? I don't think that's how confusion works. Well, you hurt yourself in confusion, but since you can't hurt yourself on yeah, air, I, I assume you just I blurt it. I'm confused. I. If you're confused, you don't know what you're yelling at. I guess I won't know until it happens. That's true, because you'll be confused. Yeah. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you in two. No, um, so yeah, we do have Smash to talk about because this was, like I was trying to say, I think this is the final bit of Smash knowledge that will be dropped before the game comes out in about a month. And this presentation really did answer a lot of questions people had. I think, I think the best way to sum it up is probably a tweet I saw. So I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase it, which is that if you look at like the three separate Smash presentations, they kind of break down to the first one. It was like you see the front of the box on the shelf in a store and you get excited. And then the second presentation is like reading the back of the box. You get a bit more information, but it's still kind of vague. And you're just like, ooh, that sounds cool. Oh, this guy's in it? That's neat. And then the third one, the third presentation, this direct that happened back on um, last week, this one was like reading through the entire instruction manual that comes in the box. Which granted, I'm the type of weirdo who did that for every single game I bought when manuals were still a yeah, physical thing. Now not so much. Outside out of mind. I mean, if they're not, if there's not, if I don't open the game and have a manual directly in my face, which I don't when it's digital because it's buried in the corner, I'm not going to do it. I don't know. I think, I think when it went digital, it's, it's that tactile feel of like reading a booklet and having the artwork placed and having that page and a half of legalese about seizure warnings. Like, I mean, I will, that's gone now. I do like that sometimes they bother to put in like extra special art for the manual. Like, yeah. Like the, Nintendo made very nice manual. Like the Super Mario All-Star manual comes to mind. It had some cool art of Mario like picking up shells and swimming and yeah. art you wouldn't normally see anywhere else. It was 64 had that too. Yeah, like a lot of those games did, but now, like I always thought those were cooler and then there's those other ones that were black and white and it was like, oh. Oh, the third party ones. Yeah, they, like these aren't in color. Like, oh, they're just using stock images. I'm just going to say it because they no longer exist. Midway was the worst at manuals. So it was a claim. I remember Crazy Taxi when Acclaim published it for Sega uh, at GameCube's launch. The manual was like two pages, black and white. I do it remember some that were great. just text. I don't remember what game it was, but there were some really terrible, boring ones. Yeah. But but this Direct, to sort of bring it back with the analogy here, 
this uh this is kind of what it felt like like a good manual like it was a lot of information it was thrown at us all at once some of it felt kind of flat because it's just like excruciating amount of detail i mean it almost felt like remember that mario kart 8 direct that you always cite of course you remember because you always cite it as like when directs go too far like too much information i kind of at times felt like the amount of detail you're getting in this bordered on that but this one i felt like it didn't really give enough of anything really i felt like the. i mean there's a lot of I guess you're right. It's not a lot of detail like, on any one like, thing, but there's a lot of things. Kind of like the one, like, yeah, like it pretty much touched on every single mode, but it didn't really go into detail into most of Except them. Except spirits, which we'll get to. Yeah, spirits. But, um, like, yeah, that Mario Kart Direct, like, it, yeah, like I said, it left no stone unturned. But the equivalent of that for the Smash presentations, I feel it was the E3 one where they're like, look at Olimar, look at his cracked wind, look at his, cla- right, his cracked, right. like, little spacesuit. Oh, and now it's not cracked. To me, to me, the E3 one, looking back at it, like, to go back to that analogy, oh, felt God. like... And then looked... when they had to go, like, um, Fox's Final Smash is faster. Look at him go. Falco's is slightly different, but it looks basically the same. Yeah. And then they show, like, um, like Little Max, like, KO Punch, like, things like, oh, look, look at how cool it is. It's all fast and different. And then they show Donkey Kong's immediately after. And then it looks identical to Little Max. Right, right. I think I think the reason to me that this and then analogy, they show Wolf, and it's like the same thing again. I think the reason to me that this analogy worked that the first presentation at E3 almost felt like the front of the box is because yeah, they went to excruciating detail about the moves, but we knew nothing about what those moves would be used in. Like it was like, whoa, look at look at the new Smash Bros. Here's what's different. Like look at the front of the box. Here's some new thing you haven't seen oh what but now they're like and here's every single mode and here's all the options and here's the brightness saying and here's multiple languages i have a source out it's different in french and then spanish then english it's like yep thank i mean it was good to have i appreciate it. and the you know fact they that didn't huh even, you know what something i just realized they didn't touch on whatsoever i wish they had mentioned whether what the default like setting is for your fights like does it actually save them i hope it does I'm that's a good point because one thing that we always have to do is change it from time to stop. Yeah. Every single time. Why can't it just save it? I don't mind if it's there automatically the first time, but by now he must know that no one by default just plays strictly time. And what's funny is they did have highlight- people do time stock, like yeah, stock yeah. time with for fun, but and, what, and what's funny is there's so many in the presentation they highlight so many quality of life improvements. Like, oh, now your computer controlled assist trophy pokemon whatever it will actually say your name over it so people know who origin it originated from and stuff like that and they went to all these details like the multi-language thing again and how easy it is to change also, yeah they didn't address what you're saying at all and that seems like it'd be the biggest quality of life they also didn't really go into like profile creation right like a big thing about smash Bros. like especially in tournaments is just like you know creating your name adding your control settings and stuff like that yeah like i feel like there has to be like a streamlined way like or at least take off for the most part, everyone just turns off tap, jump off. So that always takes like a whole like little rigmarole, like two, three minutes of them going through all the menus. Until they have their profile and then they can just select that in the future. Yeah, but when you go into a tournament, everyone has to uh, yeah. do it every time because, yeah. yeah, there's like hundreds of names on there, but you don't know which ones have tap, jump off. Well, Sometimes people through do. the power of Amiibo, you can tap to get your settings there. Isn't that a thing? Did I make that up? No. Wasn't that a thing? No, because that would just bring up the, the Pokemon style fights. Oh, right. And, well, which I guess are back. They are did they say there's. I I guess there's actually a lot they did are say. There, are, amiibo are, there... are back. You can still have amiibo fighters. You can still. That's a thing. They're all still. Wait, are they back? I don't know. I think they said they were back. I know they're used for spirits, which again we'll get to. But I that think they said right. amiibo fighters will be back too. Because I, I would have preferred if, like, at the very least, just give me an amiibo. Yeah. That I could save my profile to. So that way, if I go to a tournament, I could literally just tap like the it. old Wii remote setup. Basically that. 
Because, I mean, that's what they do for Splatoon 2. Like, if you go over someone's house and you take your Splatoon amiibo, it'll literally have your gear and your setup so that when you tap it in someone else's house, yeah, you just have your stuff. Yeah. Like, just do that. Just do that, Nintendo. Don't you, you got three and a half weeks, Nintendo. Pull down the eShop presale, adjust the game, and put it back also, up. Or did, patch it. Also, they didn't elaborate on the team tag mode. Like... Okay, you're right. There's a lot they didn't cover. They didn't elaborate on the tournament mode. We still don't know if it's online only like the previous one or if it's offline like the one in Brawl, which I feel was superior. Like, what the hell? Like, tell me, is it both? <laughs> You'll know. It's three weeks away. <sighs> Breathe. Breathe, Angel. I mean, at least I know we have lobbies. That's kind of cool. It's yeah. like the lobby system in other games, so at least they got that right. Yeah, I mean, we're getting bits and pieces. But yeah, let's actually break down what they did talk about. Because, I mean, to be fair, they covered, even though they didn't cover those things, they covered a lot. I mean, there's a lot to play. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to collect. So it's probably best if we just kind of work our way down the list. So um, the best place to start would probably be characters because that's the thing everyone always talks about. So we now know that the final two included day one with the game will be Ken from Street Fighter and Incineroar of Pokemon. What do you think of those two? That's cool. Yeah, that's kind of my reaction. I'm like, that's great. All right. I mean, like, I don't really have an affinity to either I mean, of them. So. We knew. I feel like I would have been more hyped for Decidueye, but that's only because I just like Decidueye more as a character right. design. Right. But he's in Pokemon. I mean, that's cool. I mean, Cinderella's so cool. I like how he looks. I mean, I think it's um, cool they added a wrestling character. Like, of all the things they have in Smash, they don't have a wrestler. And he's basically the wrestler Pokemon. I mean, I, so like, that, it's I cool. like that Ken's in it. I thought he... Yeah. I mean, I've always liked Ken. And he moves a bit faster than Ryu. Yeah, he's, like, he's like a more stylish Ryu, so yeah. it's cool. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I saw him, I'm like, oh, that's good. Like, not that's good, not great. Like, it's like, okay, whatever. Like, maybe... They were definitely not the two you want to end Yeah. With. I feel like they should have, like... They weren't as excited. They, they, I mean... They should have ended with, like, King K. Rool or Simon or, like... Or even an Echo like Dark Samus, at least for me personally, would have been more exciting than an Echo like Ken. Uh, I mean, I feel like an... I feel Ken as an Echo is more exciting Yeah, than maybe. Dark, I mean, I love Dark Samus, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely... But I feel like... Kind of like how when we were saying, like, that I didn't think Cloud was that great of an announcer, but you're saying, like, well, in the grand scheme of things, like... You're right. In the grand scheme of things, Ken is more significant because he is yeah. Street Fighter. On top it would of the... Cool the Which is crazy that... Like, Ryu, Capcom now has three representatives. And, right. like, Sega still just has the one. It's weird. Like, and No, then, well, one and a half, because the Virtual Fighter assist trophy. Which, what a cool little thing they threw in there. That there's have, a Virtual Fighter, like, pixelated assist trophy. And then you have Konami that came late in the game. Or Vector. Well, at the same time with, like, Snake. But now you have Snake, Simon, and, like... The other Richter. one. Richter. Richter. And you still have Jasonic. Yeah. It's like, why is Sonic getting shafted so hard? Where's, here's what I want to know. Where's, I mean, at least give us Knuckles. I mean, No, least, no, forget Knuckles. I mean, no. Give us I.I. or I.I. or whatever you call him from no, Super I mean, Monkey Ball. We needed to have Sonic and Knuckles so we could have yeah. Sonic and Knuckles versus Knuckles and Knuckles. Sonic and Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they're not letting you do that. He's a sister. I know. We could have... You would have seen, like, the box that would have had Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and Knuckles. And Knuckles, yeah. I mean, they still could because the assist trophy. They He's could. there. Yeah, I... I I firmly believe that it being an assist trophy or something being an assist trophy, like Shadow being one, doesn't mean they can't be a character later on. Just like, so you think? Like I feel Chibi Robo has a chance. I mean, King K. Rule was a Me Fighter costume, but in a different Smash Bros. Yeah, but I mean, Maybe. that was already like, yeah, we hear you. We're putting him in here. We're already working on the next one. Yeah, I, I get that. I I do think part of why these characters, these final two, felt kind of meh. Is because, and I hate to say it, 
the rumors going into this. We this talked. Last... I hate and I hate talking about rumors because they make people's expectations go way through the up, roof. Yeah, even though like. Like I honestly like when I when they said like these are the final two fighters like I wasn't disappointed because like, I always thought the other one was fake. Oh, I knew it was fake, but, but here's the thing that but, the other but still, one did. But, but no matter what, like you're still gonna be thinking like, oh, it'd be cool if this is in there. So exactly. then, no ma- so even whether you knew it was fake or not, you're just gonna be left with, oh, that's it. Damn, that's the problem. With Especially rumors. because the first two they announced were Ken and Incineroar, and because we were both kind of in agreement that they aren't the most exciting ones to end on. Like, I honestly thought, like, oh, this feels like a starter intro video. Yeah. I felt like there was going to be a crazier one later on. And there was And wasn't. the fact that both of them were first revealed, it's like, oh, so I... I, I, I it felt almost certain that there's going to be more to come. But then, after the that I saw, these are the final two fighters, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, because, oh. I mean, the, I didn't believe the rumor either. Last episode, we talked about how improbable it was. Like, the idea of now... We were... Just to be safe, we didn't say what it was, but now that's not true. Banjo-Kazooie, Gino, Isaac, all those. I was like, okay... We're not going to get all those. That, they, they, they had like six on the list. But maybe we'll get like three cool ones. So when they did the two okay ones and then there wasn't the cool one that followed, I'm like, I mean, I know the rumor's not real, but like never trust, trust the Grinch apparently. But it's just kind of like that how felt. How the Grinch stole the hype. How the Grinch stole Smash Bros. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It just felt, it did dampen things a little. But where it turned around for me at least was they did reveal a third character to their credit. And oh, I love it. They revealed Piranha Plant as I, a playable character. I really like and I really hate this character's existence. <laughs> so, like, like, please explain why. Like, like walk me through this. I'll, I'll just start with the hate. Like, okay. Why Piranha Plant? Like, you have a pantheon of Nintendo characters, and you pick like just a regular enemy. Like, it almost feels like an insult to Waluigi. Who was seen in the Mario Party Three are holding that piranha plant? <laughs> now it's the like, piranha plant's holding him. Yeah, like the pro, yeah the piranha his piranha plant made it into the game. Like it just feels like that to me feels like a waste of a slot. Now listen, and, if and I, I was Waluigi, I'd be proud of my pet achieving great things in life. But, like so, so that's kind of like where I said I'm like you could have picked anyone else. I would have loved that they had put Petey Piranha. Like that would have been do, sort of like that would have been a much better choice. Like Petey Piranha has been in baseball. He's been like. In um, in Smash Brothers, like, but he boss. he's there as a final smash of normal Piranha Plant. Yeah, but he could have been the whole. He could have actually done something instead. Like, what do you mean done something? Whoa, shots fired! What do you mean done something? This, no, the like Piranha Plant does something. No, no, he juggles a spike ball no, with his no, mouth. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting to that yet. All right. No, like if Peter Piranha was in the game, like his final smash could have been him actually doing something interesting instead oh, of just a okay. callback to his brawl fight. Yeah, which is what he did. Just like tossed the cages around. Yeah. So that's like why like I hate the fact that this thing exists, but I also really 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 like it because now that it's in there, they executed it so amazingly well. So well, like, like just like like I went from like confused to like disgruntled to like wow this is really awesome. Like I love the way it runs, the way it attacks, like, everything about it. Just like like I, like you immediately forgive them because they really put a ton of like passion and work. Like someone in there. Like really, really wanted to put this guy in there and admit it. And happened. Gosh darn it, that he did an awesome job. <laughs> he really did. No, like it's and also it's, like and no one can complain because I mean it's a free character. It wasn't part of the five. It was just like a bonus one thrown in there. Yeah, and the thing is, like it fits. Like it goes so out of it's so out of left field. It actually comes back around and fits. It's as weird as Rob. It's as weird as Duck Hunt Dog. Like it makes or Refit Trainer or Refit Trainer. Yeah. Like it makes sense. And I just love that Sakurai. 
like of all the Nintendo characters he could have included, like you were saying, of all the rumors and you know choir kids for two Smash Bros. Or generations now, or, or Spring Man, or Waluigi, just because I know you mentioned, it, but I just really want to yeah. stress Waluigi because there was such an outpouring for Waluigi. The fact that Sakurai still came up with character or whoever, and nobody expected for it, sure it was and like made an it intern to- or something, maybe. Like. But the fact that he came up, someone came up with this character and made it totally work within Smash instantly, like you watch and just like, yeah, they it works. That's crazy. Like, that's so cool to me. Like, it props to them. That's really cool. Plus, I mean, to your point about why a random Mario enemy, I don't know if you've noticed, Mario enemies are having a moment right now. Chain Chomp's playing tennis. Monty Mole got invited to Mario Party. Like, PD, or not PD, but regular Piranha Plant is having to, it's getting in fisticuffs. Like, this is their moment. This is the chance for the, for the D team of the Mario universe to shine. Because Nintendo really wants that extra merchandising money, apparently. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, I mean, I think party excitement. It does make me think like if we are gonna go down like this little rabbit hole of like minions being in it because this is like the only like minion. To be, to be clear, when you say minions, you do not mean the yellow goggled no. guys. You because never, like, ever should they be in Smash Bros. Like for all intents and purposes, every character in Smash Brothers for the most part is like a like their own character. Like except say for like the Pokemon. Yeah. But they're kind of like a step above like your average Goomba and stuff. Right. But since we're in this territory now, like it did kind of get me like on a little thinking exercise. Like, huh, what what else? What other like minion could have? It's very versatile. Because I mean, there are a ton of different piranha plants that are all used very skillfully. Like in this yeah like demo. So I'm all like, huh, I wonder if they could have done like Fire Bro would have been cool or a Hammer Bro would have been cool. Well, on the last one, because like I feel like oh, you mean bro, uh, you mean within the I see yeah, like a yeah. like a bro could be like a fire bro, hammer bro, boomerang bro, right? Could all of them. Yeah, like I don't know what else they could have put, but I'm sure there's like other cool. Examples. They could put the football guy from Mario oh, World, charging Chuck. I mean, he has no other thing he can do besides charge you, but they could have gotten creative. They could have. See, that's the thing we don't know. Yeah, well, maybe I we would have loved to see them do a Goomba if they had like somehow. Dude, made they would have just done the Goomba Tower from Mario Odyssey. That's by the way another example of the minions getting a chance to shine. The Goomba Tower was like one of the big. Like key assets of Mario Odyssey, weirdly. I wonder if it's like a thing that like you get to like charge a Goomba and you max it like five tall, and then yeah. like you always start like at one, and you're like faster. But it's almost like what it's almost like a vertical Choir Kids from Rhythm Heaven. If Choir Kids ever became a weird, a real thing, I mean. Yeah. Well, there's but, still hope for some form of representation. Uh, yeah, and I mean, what's cool? But at least now we know it probably won't be the wrestler from. Rhythm no, because Incineroar has that base covered. Unless, well, I mean, they did emphasize that he is a heel. So I guess this wrestler was probably a face. You the face to the heel. I mean, true. It's a work. It's all work. I mean, also the same reason why now I feel like Karate Joe probably won't make it in because I have Ken and Ryu. Like you can't have too many karate. No, you can't. I mean, but yeah, but tell that to Fire Emblem where they have seven dudes with swords. So yeah, like a few of them are pretty much identical. At least Robin changed things up, and even Corrin is pretty. Yeah, Corrin's cool with the book and all. I get that, but but I think the other Corrin is the dragon one. What am I thinking? Of? Oh, I'm thinking of Robin. Robin yeah, yeah. First one I said. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I, I do think what part of the reason I got excited about Piranha Plant is because he kind of like opened the door to the fact that the lineup isn't done yet. I mean, granted, they talked about the DLC and stuff, but just the idea that like you know you went on a whole thought exercise about what other characters are possible. Like even though Ken and Incineroar are like the end, they're not because we got all this DLC coming. We know for sure. That um, first, you can get Piranha Plant for free as long as you buy the game by January 31st. We really don't know. But we know for sure that for six bucks a pop, between now and February 2020, or for $25 up front as a pass where you save five bucks, you will get a new character, a new stage, and a new piece of music five times over. 
You think like five bucks if you buy the bo- the combo? Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But please understand, we don't know the character, so buy it out of faith. Oh, but wait, we do know the character, so still buy it out of faith anyway. Yeah, that's the thing I don't get. Like, it's, it's really. Like, I, I get you don't want to just like straight up tell what everything has. I don't think we've ever had a um, a fighting game, and this is like coming from like Injustice, Street Fighter Five, and um, Killer Instinct that I've done like DLC packs for a long time and seasons. Right. They. Um, Killer Instinct usually like spaces it out and doesn't tell you what's coming. Right. But Mortal Kombat, like I mean, Street Fighter. What I like that they do is that they give you like five silhouettes that are purposely kind of ambiguous. So like they're kind of posed in a way that you might be able to guess what they are, but there's still going to be a lot of like speculation. But then people thought that was too slow. So in the third season, they just straight up told you, "Here's everyone that's coming." And then we like we're still. I think we just got Sagat recently, mm-hmm. and we knew about him like meh, like almost half a year before he came out. I think Mortal Kombat is the one that tells you way ahead. Yeah. Because whenever they release their combat pack trailer, it's like a trailer with all the DLC characters fighting against each other, which is really cool. And, like, I don't necessarily fault Nintendo for not telling us. They did the exact same thing for Breath of the Wild, where they're like, hey, buy the season pass. We'll give you a small cosmetic item for now, a Switch shirt, which they're doing with Smash. If you buy the season, the Fire Pass, you get... um Piranha Plant? No. Well, no. You get that just for buying the game. You get oh. uh, the Rex outfit oh, for yeah. Me Fighter from Xenoblade. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's, it's about compare. It's like one-to-one with what they did for Zelda. Some cosmetic yeah. thing. And then you're just like, okay, I'm buying in. But the thing that they did with Zelda That's is they really very... That's how Miis work. I want to know, like, what's the deal with me? What do you mean? Well, they didn't say that you could change their moves. But if you look at the bottom, like, the corner of the screen, when they're changing through the costumes, it changes their moves. So they're still... Like I guess fully customizable. They are. They said they were. They like, are. No, They're no, exactly no, like, no, the, no, I mean, like the this... moves. Right? So like each one has three moves for each yeah. B move. Because then that's gonna. I thought like them saying like oh we're getting them ready for online and competitive play because the whole thing uh, with the me that made yeah. them not viable or yeah, not so much not viable but just that people didn't want to bother with them is just the fact that it took forever to like create a me right and you can't have like no one's gonna sit down and make like every single possible move combination just so right we can have them ready for tournament. So people were hoping, oh, just give them one definitive moveset each, and that's it. But if that's not the case, then that means we're going back to, oh, me, they're never going to be in tournaments. Right. Which kind of sucks. Cause I mean, they, I do remember Sakurai saying in one of his presentations the Miis would work like they do in the last one, but I don't know if he was implying he, no, this when, level when, of customization or when, just when that he, you can customize Yeah, when he outfits. said online ready, I'm pretty sure he just meant that, oh, you can't customize the faces, therefore no one can get offended because now you're just stuck with yeah. the defaults. That would be and typical Nintendo. But back to the DLC while we talk about things that are questionable. So I was saying with Zelda um, that, you know, they they gave you a cosmetic thing. But with Zelda, at least they were up front and they're like, hey, we're selling this DLC. You're going to buy it. That's how this is going to work. Meanwhile, with Fighter Pass, Sakurai's like, please just use your best judgment. If you feel you should buy it and you feel like you can trust us, go ahead and trust us. But if you're hesitant, please don't. And it's just like... Well, that makes me feel like not as confident about. It. Like I'm still gonna buy it. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like it's a weird. It's weird how with Zelda, like, yo, this is what we're doing. You're paying. Enjoy. And I mean, this one, it's like if you really want, like, just they like Woody Allen did. Like yeah, I don't know how but they also it. know it's that really like, weird. If you're gonna play the game competitively, you're pretty much forced to buy the DLC because you have to learn the matchups. Oh yeah, yeah no, they're for sure. Like no, for no, sure, yeah. it's gonna sell the same number, if not more. I just don't understand why messaging wise, Nintendo just, when it worked for Zelda very was modest, fine. I very... know, but he, I know. Like, um, even when he's like, I guess I'm never going to get a break. I, and, like, sadly blinked. I was like, oh, I actually feel bad. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just very weird that Nintendo let him be like. Nah, he's a workaholic. It gets he is. Off. He is. It doesn't. <laughs> but, yeah, it, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It just it struck me as weird messaging. Like, I have no reason not to trust Nintendo. I am going to buy the DLC. They've always delivered with their DLC. It was just a strange PR thing I noticed. But, of course, the, the second question about the DLC is beyond just how they're approaching it. What should we expect? Like, what do you imagine? What do you think the type of characters? Because Nintendo... So Sakurai tweeted after the presentation, like a couple, like a week later, that um, the characters are locked down. They were chosen by Nintendo, and he selected from that pool of however many that Nintendo offered him versus before when it was a fan vote and he got a pick and that sort of thing. So what do you think that means about the type of character we're going to see? My uh, gut... That means we're going to get a Fire Emblem character from the next Switch game. Pro- yeah. Probably before the thing, I, probably I was before gonna it say, even comes out. Yeah, because my gut is it's going to be less reflective of the history of Nintendo and more about whatever game Nintendo currently wants to push or sell. Mm-hmm. Right? So that would be Fire Emblem. I would not Probably be, the next-gen Pokemon. I wouldn't be totally shocked. Maybe Meltan. <laughs> I wouldn't be totally shocked if, like, a Dragalia Lost guy pops up. That'd be interesting, but... I'm, I mean, he's basically a Fire Emblem character, let's be honest. But, like, he has a sword and everything, but... um, At least pick the the sorceress sister. I mean, at least that yeah. would be different. Yeah, at least that would be different, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just... It seems like if Nintendo's dictating it, they're gonna use this for marketing. Which, again, no problem. Bayonetta was... Let's... Yes, it was the fan vote, but they said Bayonetta wasn't the top choice. They did Bayonetta because Bayonetta is a Nintendo It was only the top now. choice in Europe. Right, and they only did it because marketing. I mean, Bayonetta 1 and 2. And it worked. Lady Gaga plays Bayonetta and tweets about how great it is. So, you know, <laughs> clearly doing something. I wonder who was... Did they ever say who was actually the most picked overall? Uh, I don't recall, I don't think they to did, be honest. Honestly. I don't recall. It was probably King K. Rool for all we know. But, yeah, I might... King K. Rool was up there. But, yeah, it... um Yeah, whatever the DLC is, like, I don't really mind it's it's fine and i think the same reason i don't mind about this is the reason i don't understand people that complain about ultimate's final main roster like if you take a step back and look at what we're getting day one the base game it's insane i mean we're getting 74 playable characters sure summer echoes more than any fighting game which means yeah i mean this almost kind of makes smash brothers as a fighting game um not friendly to what's the word I'm looking for unapproachable no that's approachable uh, the, the core game no 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 no, no competitively because uh, usually the whole thing about competitive fighting games is that especially fighting games is that you really want to know like your matchups you want to know like alright if I'm going to focus on playing Ryu I have to know the Ryu versus Kami the Ryu versus Chun-Li the Ryu versus oh uh, yeah so how so you know so you have to do that like 72 times well that's where the tier list will come in presumably as people who want to play competitively will just look at the tier list and only focus on picking a character that is ranked highest or higher yeah, but still. and that gets redundant everyone's gonna be bayonetting again no but I mean but th- that's the thing about tier lists like whenever you have someone that's the highest you start looking for characters that counter the top player the top characters and then those characters stop being used because they're being countered all the right. time then those become but that, the but that's my point player. is they're gonna work, work off that and list then, and they don't need to worry about all 74 they need to worry about 12 and even then um, usually like especially with Smash 4 which was really awesome about this game is that it was the most varied when it came to tournament results you didn't really just have like a top four, like Melee, with like, like 12 or more characters spread across. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But even then, you still had a lot of people using like the other 43 in the tournament. And if you come across one of those and you don't know the matchup, you're pretty much going to lose like to Ganon. And you're going to be like, oh, I shouldn't have lost to him because I'm like, I have my Fox game down, but I don't know how to play against Ganon. But that just creates more variety in the in the sport. No, no, so I, I don't. That, like it's it's I'm, a good thing. That's I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not good for beginners. Or uh, it's just, it's just a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a hurdle. It's like, I mean, it's fun for me because I get to play against like a bunch of different kinds of people. But if someone wants to get really good, they have they're gonna have 
a long road right, right. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And and but if you look at those seventy four, like ignoring the competitive aspect, I mean, finding against Pokemon Trainer is nuts because you have to adapt to three different playstyles. That's true. Whoever, on the fly, essentially. Which means whoever is playing Pokemon Trainer has to learn three different playstyles yeah. and actually use them all. That's what see. That's what's amazing about Smash, and that's why I don't understand why people, some people, are upset about the lineup. Is like. There's so many playstyles. There's so many options. There's so many things that, like, okay, maybe Waluigi isn't a character. Fine, but like, there is one character they also like. No one just likes Waluigi, and not another character. Oh yeah, I refuse to believe that. <laughs> Someone out there is strictly believe, a Waluigi fan. I refuse to believe that there isn't one person that at least doesn't like two or three of the characters in there. Right, and that's that's why I don't understand. It's like, let's say you're a hardcore Nintendo fan. You should be happy that Ridley and King K. Rool made it. Let's say you are into other franchises. The fact that Castlevania is there is I only really like cool, Rob or... as much as I do because of Brawl. Before right. Brawl, I didn't really care too much for Rob, but then I just played him a few times. I think I got him on random ones and just kept using him, and then eventually I really liked him. Right. Then, and I just, then I started liking the character, and then, yeah. And that's why I don't understand why people are upset. Because, I mean, like, just think about the sheer level of, like, fan service in this. Not only are we getting all these characters, but we're getting Amiibo of all of them. There's going to be Amiibo of, like, Young Link, Pichu, Ice Climbers, Wolf, Daisy, Ken, Ridley, uh, uh, Piranha Plant. Piranha Plant gets an Amiibo. Like, the fact that whatever you're a fan of, whatever you're a fan of, you can have a little collectible one now. I'm surprised I haven't pre-ordered any Amiibo. I think I'm actually just going to just wait. I mean, I'm not necessarily buying them either, but that's super like, cool fan service. Yeah. That all these characters. I mean, Ice Climber is a big deal when for a lot of people. Any of the new I might get Prom Plant. I will see. I don't know. I didn't buy all this. I would get Prom Plant. Maybe Ice Climber. But like Ice Climber is a big one that a lot of people are happy about. And the fan service isn't even just like the core roster. Like I, you know, you mentioned Chibi Robo before. Like I was gunning for Chibi Robo to be a playable character, but he's not. And you know, that's fine. But you know, it's cool. Yeah, and look, just be like, oh, but. We tried with Chibi Robo. We gave him like three games in the past like five I years. I know. But you know what's cool is even if he's not a playable character, he has a Mii Fighter costume. Like maybe people want Isaac or Shadow. They're there, just not in the capacity they want, but at least they have representation. Like the fact that people are so set on I need this character playable, I just – I don't get – like even, you know, Spring Man from ARMS, he's he's a um, assist trophy too. Yeah, and if you look at his assist trophy, he – that's pretty much all he does in the game. Yeah, it's he's literally the entirety of his moveset in one assist trophy. Yeah. And not only that, but like they're getting really creative you can't punch too. Up. You cannot. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. He'd have no upbeat. <laughs> he yeah. would just be like, I, mean, I jump and I punch. You just curve left and right, but since we're playing on a two D field, you can't do that. So therefore, that's literally it. Game over. Yeah. That's why he's a assist trophy. But but not just that. But like the fan search just goes so deep too, because like they got really creative. The teacher from Art Academy is an assist trophy. The fly slaughter from Mario Paint is an assist trophy. And don't even get me started on like the the costumes. I mean, I mentioned Virtual Fighter before, but you also got Custom Robos, Ray um, MK2 is there, Ribbon Girl's there, the Labo Toy-Con robot suit is a thing your me can wear. Like they went made me, all made, in. made me think of the mocap man from Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Or like, for some reason it made me think of Vector Man from the Genesis days. You know, the wireframe character. Um, I don't know why, but but like, I'm not trying to... My, my overarching po- point here is I'm not trying to get on like a high horse and say you shouldn't be allowed to be disappointed if there's one or two things you don't want in particular. But to your point that there's got to be another character you like, like, take a step back to those that are upset and see the forest through the trees. Like, Sakurai and his team went all in on this and produced what's quite possibly the biggest video game crossover and probably the biggest celebration of gaming in gaming. I think it is. It is, yeah. And it, I mean, like, they literally 
the amount of detail in this thing like the fact that yoshi's new final smash is a nod to two seconds from the intro of melee where there's a herd of yoshis running and now they're like well why don't we make that the final smash that's a cool thing for fans like that level of detail is everywhere so even if you didn't get waluigi like, look at all the things he and did yet, get. Daisy just summons giant daisies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you get brilliant, and then you get Daisy summoning giant daisies that are true. edible. That's true. Like, that's true. Like, why? You couldn't. Think what would you? Did, did she say, Hi, I'm Daisy when she does it? No, she just does the <sighs> dance, and then. She bear her. One of her taunts better be, Hi, I'm Daisy. And then they're just like giant photorealistic daisies that appear instead of peaches. I did see that, yeah. So, yeah, okay, maybe yeah, not everything. Yeah, one of her taunts better be, Hi, I'm Daisy. Right, but okay, so maybe not everything's a home run, but enough of it is that I feel like. And I. I it, I know like it's hard why to does believe. Post turned super big. Like, what show or episode or. Thing? Now it's just. Now it's just Smash Bros. canon, I guess. I mean. I'll give them there's a move I want to say there's a move called no there's a move called minimize in Pokemon there is a move called expand. maximize <laughs> yeah I mean I thought like they would have gone you know what's funny like mm. Peach and Daisy like they dance and put everyone to sleep that should have been Jigglypuffs like should have not dance just have her sing and put everyone I to know. sleep and then draw on like, them with a marker it was a gimme and they like didn't take it. it up like yeah. what the heck but but ignoring that, and then she could have like I don't know, give her like pull out a marker or something. That's I like just said that. Girl. I literally just said no, that. No, after this, but yeah, he's yeah. I didn't hear you because I was uh, in my rage. I know you're you're rage hard. See, but you're my you're the point. Like okay, yeah, some of the choices are weird, but you're you're a light case of it. But there are people online that are like tweeting him like, oh, why don't you have this character? Like he had to tweet, hey, the roster's locked down. Please don't send me requests anymore. Like be excited about what we're doing. It's just like... With any requests for the second season. Yeah, I, I mean, eventually he might say that. But I... And I get that, like, people have their passions and, like, you with Jigglypuff's marker, apparently. Um, and that's fine, but, like, you at least can appreciate And I think most people listening get this, but there's yeah, some out there I that mean, don't... Still, that there's, like, two degrees... There's two levels to this. So. I, mean, I, I mean, I can still appreciate the Jigglypuff growing big. I can't really Inexplicably. Yeah, I don't know. When I saw the you can't da- appreciate Daisy's Daisies? Yeah, when I saw Daisy producing Daisies, that, that was kind of lame. <laughs> so what, what would you call her? If she had a kid, what would Daisy's kid be? Wouldn't it be a Daisy? Not like a flower, but Whatever wouldn't she it? she named it. Well, okay, you just, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I don't even know where I go from there. So I'm just going to say there is one other hefty piece of fan service in Ultimate that we uh, didn't mention, need to discuss because this is like the other half of the fan service coin. And also it's kind of interesting in its own way. And that is the spirit system. Basically, there are now hundreds, if not thousands, of additional characters that can influence gameplay. There are these little upgradable objects you can mix and match on your fighter. And I mean, they, they thought of everyone for this. They have everyone from Gooey from the Kirby games, like Revolver, Ocelot. Yeah, they're attribute modifiers to, to Rabbit Peach to even like Shantae is, is in there now. And the girl from Dark. Eternal Darkness, Eternal Darkness, who coincidentally was on our last episode, the banner image I made. And I'm like, oh, that's weird that like I hunted down this image, cut it out manually by hand, and then like two days later she's in Smash. But so you're welcome, Eternal Darkness fans, is what I'm saying. But beyond just the characters, like the whole spirit setup, it's kind of this interesting like amalgamation of past it's Smash Snake games. From Phantom Pain is in it. Is he? Yeah. Wow, they're really if going you... all out with this. Yeah, because you know how you. In this game, I didn't see uh, him. Huh. In this game, you could evolve your your spirits, like turn them into more powerful ones. Like for some reason, Dixie Kong turns into Dixie and Kitty Kong instead of because that's Dixie. the asset they could find. Like, does Kitty Kong not have his own spirit in that case? No, it it's it's because they looked at here. Here's the problem with them: their amalgamation of the collectability of trophies 
with the stat tweaking of the old sticker system with a challenge mode, right? But what they did is because trophies are hard to make, you have to render 3D trophies? No, thank you. They're like, what if spirits are like stickers and that we just take existing character art from existing asset drives on existing press sites and make them in-game? So there's only so many Dixies. You can't get a bigger Dixie unless she turns into Candy Kong, which would be weirdly... I don't want... That's weirdly sexual. So instead, they're like, well, I found a picture of Kitty Kong with Dixie Kong. Great. Stick it in the game. That's how that happened. Because well, these are a low-budget way to replicate trophies when they have to focus so much on 74 characters. Well, to game. finish the thought... Sorry. <laughs> snake Eater Snake from Metal Gear Solid 3. When you evolve him, he turns into Phantom Pain Snake from yep. the not Wii U, from the non-Nintendo game. But, I mean, that's not that weird. No, no, yeah. Snake was in it when he wasn't even really barely a Nintendo thing. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was on he, the NES he and was Game on the Boy. NES, and he was on the GameCube, Twin Snakes. That's true. Oh, that's true. I forgot about Twin Snakes. Yeah. All right. Fair. It's actually the Snake that's on that game. That's true. Okay. But yeah, the um, yeah, the whole spirit so thing yeah. is just... Okay. Yeah. No, but the whole, the whole spirit thing is just... Yeah. It's, Cloud, it's, I don't know why he's there. Okay, that would be a better one. Well, he yeah. had a cameo, you know, in Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories for the Game Boy Advance released in 2003. Was it in or Chain of Memories? I'm pretty sure it wasn't was one of the 3D ones. He's also... Okay, fine, better one. He's in Theater Rhythm on the DS. There you go. There we go. There you go. There we go. But yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think of, what do you think of Spirits? Because it's... It's, it's like, an interesting system. I mean, it's funny... I don't mind that the trophies are gone. I like the trophies. I like looking at them. I do miss the history but, that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, that's why. Like, that, I feel like what I'm going to miss most is the, the flavor text next to each trophy. Yeah. Like, are they still there? No clue. Somewhere? I know they put names above the... Yeah, it has the name of the trophy, but does it also tell the you sticker. what... I mean, the, uh, the spirit. Stick, the spirit. But does it also tell you what game it's from? I saw, like, the, I, don't know. I saw the screen where it showed you the card and the info, but I couldn't find the name of the game it's from. I don't know. So does that mean, like, maybe, like... 50% of the trophies, I'm mean, not going to know where they're from because they're so obscure. Again, they're spirits. If they're trophies, this would not be an issue. <laughs> but they're, yeah, they're I know. trophies of sorts. They're trophies that have a game I'm probably going to call them trophies so I don't have to change my muscle memory. I'm going to call them spirits because they're different from trophies. And you know why they're different from trophies? Because they don't have history next to them, <laughs> which is why they are different to me. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's. But they do have history to them. Yes, just not <laughs> in a way that's presented to us. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I think... I, it's weird because I understand why they did this. I mean, I was kind of touching on it, right? No, but I even understand why they did it, not just for a low-budget thing, but, like, it adds just some more replayability to the game. Like, the spirit battle mode is actually kind of cool in that they're having existing characters represent the, and here's where the name comes from, guys, represent the spirit of these other characters by having the scenarios you battle them and kind of pay homage to those. So things like the one they keep saying as examples, look, it's Mega Man, but it's orange like Guts Man. And he's on stage. It looks kind of like where Gutsman is from. And if you beat him, you get Gutsman. So it's like these kind of <laughs> Gutsman, <laughs> Gutsman, Gutsman, Gutsman. But you kind of get like these weird, like little winks and nods. It's very much in the same mindset as in how I was saying after the last presentation. In all the trailers, they do such a good job of creating little scenarios that pay homage to the characters' origins. Like they're doing that with the spirits through the other characters, and that to me is cool. And the idea that like. You know, you, you have a whole mode where you go through these and you can kind of level them up and you can have them enhance your character. Like, all that's interesting, kind of more... to It's a bigger role in the core Smash experience than Trophies was. But I, I like my history lessons, so I don't know. I mean, are you even going to... Even go use spirits. Did you even use stickers in the last couple Smashes? Because like, this I mean, is basically a one-to-one of that. Cemetery. 
but not for any of the multiplayer because they probably won't work online because then they I don't think you can use them for anything else and Brawl I don't believe you could do local multiplayer with them you could have your sticker guy go against your amiibo fighter for example right couldn't you there weren't any stickers in Smash 4 oh I'm thinking of and Brawl didn't have amiibo so you're like I'm making up totally different things well you could use them locally in Brawl couldn't you I don't think so maybe not I'm like 99% sure there were a Celsius Emissary only mode but oh maybe but regardless, um, I mean, I'm gonna try to collect them all because I mean, I typically like always complete every Smash game. But you gotta do like the whole RPG thing where you level them up because, like, this is to their credit, this is like a full-on little well, mini yeah, RPG. I, mean, I, I got a whole rock. To, I mean, I always, I mean, I beat Sesame with Emissary. Right. I beat all the event challenges in every game. Right. So I'm gonna have to do that. I, I'm probably gonna have to do that to complete their, um, their achievement system that, that they always have, which they didn't even touch on in this presentation. They I just realized, did they? Yeah. They, Instead of it being one giant panel like it was in the Wii U, oh, it's not did. like a bunch of separate portions. Yeah, that's right. It's like Street Pass puzzles. It's like how it was on the 3DS because the 3DS had a bunch of different panels. It yeah. had like a smaller one. Street Pass puzzles. One. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a cool idea, but I hope, yeah, I kind of hope that, uh, I kind of hope they're used for something else because like there's so much involved with it. There's a whole rock, paper, scissors mechanic. Think... They have primary and secondary spirits, which you can pair together and they recommend pairs thematically based on their games. Like, there's all sorts of, like, little n- nods to the history of these guys. So I'm hoping that has a payoff. You can even, like, send them out to go fight and level up on their own, kind of a street pass RPG thing. So I kind of I, I kind of hope I had some meat behind it. I mean, I will say, if Spirit Mode was the bulk of the single-player experience, I would have been pretty disappointed. Because it's neat, but it's not, like... You know what I mean? It doesn't have, like, the production value. It doesn't have, like, the whatever. The, it's missing a piece. And it even looked like, until the end of the presentation, that it was single player like RA had a tweet going like this is single player and then of course out of nowhere they came in with World of Light which is the actual full meaty adventure mode so what what uh you said you beat Subspace Emissary did you actually enjoy it or were you just doing it for completionist sake um the gameplay itself was really boring and monotonous but the cutscenes made it worth it that's exactly what I was gonna say like I actually did it all the way through. I, I, I don't know if you remember, because we only barely knew each other at the time. Like, we were just becoming you friends. You did because of what I did, which is I insisted on unlocking all my characters in Brawl through Subspace Emissary. So I went through the whole thing. I was like, I'm going to lock them this way and this way. Eventually, I went to class. I came back, and people in my dorm unlocked them all without telling me. But up until that point, I was doing pretty well on my own. Um, that sounds hilarious. And man. I think, looking back, I the reason I enjoyed it you're right it wasn't the gameplay i mean the gameplay is basically kirby light which makes sense because it's sakurai like it was this kind of standard whatever 2d action platformer and it got kind of repetitive and yeah there's some like little scenarios that were more interesting but the reason i liked it was the cutscenes? so many characters to work with but they make up their own for some reason i know i never understood that and that that's what's promising to me about this one is i don't know if you noticed so the, the way it plays out, we have no idea. It's some weird map. It looks like you go scenario to scenario and do different battles on this big grid. So no Smash Run and no Smash Board? Whatever I guess not. Well, this almost seems, Smash to, Tour. There this seems to kind of borrow the grid or the, the overworld map of Smash Tour. But the thing I was going to say is what's cool is the characters they show in it are the main characters you can play as and the assist trophies and Pokemon. Like at one point it looks like you can hop on a Lapras and ride it. So like they are actually using proper Nintendo characters this time. Which is promising, I feel like, opposed to weird, generic, what look like finger puppets that came to life or whatever they were in Emissary. So I'm cool with that. And I think what's also kind of nice 
is everything we've seen about World of Light so far suggests that the cutscenes and the story elements are all there and are all going to be really good and interesting. I mean, they went full Avengers Infinity War on the Nintendo universe. They vaporized everyone but Kirby. And so it's kind of like, well, what's going on with that? Like, some someone actually did a mashup of the Infinity War trailer with footage from World of Light, and it works, like, shockingly well. Like, it, it's actually really well done. We'll link to it in the blog post for those who haven't seen it. It's really well done. Um, but beyond that, like, the way the trailer just comes together, every character's unique unique traits are, like, accounted for and shown. You know, like, Paul Tina, she dies, and then uh, Pit and Dark Pit's wings Im- immediately evaporate, or, like... We fit trainer they show her doing her like tree of life pose because in normal smash bros that gives her a second of invulnerability so she figured oh i can air dodge the vaporizing but nope because you know but that's impossible but like the the attention to detail in just that one cutscene game got me super excited about how the cutscenes and stories are going to come together throughout presumably the whole world of light adventure mode and it all seems to tie back to the previous trailers as well so now we get to know why everyone keeps dying in every single trailer that's ever been released. Like it, it's really promising. I mean, we don't know about the mode at all, like I said, but I'm I'm very excited about what the story will be. There's like two dozen master hands. There are master race of master hands. Like it's the master hand master race. But yeah, it's uh, I don't gotta know. Hand it it's just, them, gotta hand it to them. But yeah, it's just it. It's I'm kind of glad they didn't show too much about this. Like I'm glad there's some air of mystery about what's going to be the other big mode besides spirit mode and online and all that like i don't know i'm i'm pretty excited about it do you think you're gonna go through it i'm guessing you are because you want to complete everything but like are you going through it for the, i guess the story is the story enough to entice you no but i'm sure i'll still enjoy the cutscenes. that works i mean i have to watch them regardless so if they're good wow way to drag me down like i'm so hyped and you're like i mean they're there and i have to do it i mean well that's something i, mean, I have to do but and yeah. i mean i'll most likely enjoy them so i mean that's cool. i just thought the level of detail and the fact like i just love crossovers in general like not the suv car crossovers those are not good but i love crossover of characters like especially nintendo like this is I'm, I'm excited for this now i know you angel you're all about competitive play which means i'm guessing online is where you're mostly going to be living when you're not completionisting everything completing I mean, apparently everything not. apparently i have to build up my power ranking to a high enough level that I could get to the elite smash or whatever unless wait how's that different than unless, you just work your way up to see I don't what? know they, so, they, so here's what they they, they weren't 100% clear but I'm they hope, were in the press release a I'm, little I'm, re- I'm hoping the global smash ranking is literally just an online thing and not and no longer tied to how well you do in single player and break the targets and multi-man melee because it used to encompass all of that. So Global Smash Power, according to their press release, which I did pull up because I had a feeling you'd ask these questions, is specifically described in the press release as an online leaderboard that pits players against others with a similar score. So now, where that so, leaderboard so, so, so is pulling from... It's funny how then it's, it's literally just a reverse clear. leaderboard. I wish it would just tell me how close I am to the top instead of how far I am from the bottom. It's all done. Right. Yeah. Well, you do know you're close to the top when you get into Elite Smash, which is normal. It's just like normal matchmaking, except only the best of the best. Yeah. Which again is kind yeah. of a convoluted way of doing this. I'm not denying that. Yeah. It's it's, it's like like oh man, what rank are you? Like oh, I'm forty five hundred thousand like eight hundred twenty five. Oh, I'm five hundred twenty nine thousand eight hundred twenty two. Like it just well, how else would you word that? Wouldn't it be this? No, because if you're in Elite Smash, it's, it just sounds nicer if it's like, oh, I'm like the top 200. Top wait, 100. wait, wait. Why do you think the number... Oh, I don't like, I see I don't like the big... You don't like the fact that the number gets bigger as you get better. It should get smaller as you get better. Because it's weird. It's not like Mario Kart where the number gets bigger because those are the points you're like occurring. Right. So, 
Yeah, like when you reach like rank 9,000, that's like, whoa, you made it to rank 9,000. That's cool. But this specifically means you're better than that many people, which is does, fine. Does it? That's what apparently it means. I mean, you might be right. Yeah, I don't know. According to Sakurai on the Direct, the Global yeah. Smash Power, and this Direct specifically, yeah, that's how... The Global Smash Power is how many people total worldwide are playing, and your number is how many people you're better than. So if you're number two... So the like, higher the number, the better, but it's hard to compare numbers. Yeah, so, 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 so yeah. if you're number one, that doesn't mean you're number one. That means, means you're, you're literally worse. the worst player Wait, in so, all of Smash Hold on. So I have a chance of being number one at something finally? Basically. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going for it. I'm just going to... You know well, what? actually, I can't just it kill myself because the game disconnects you if you suicide. It's an interesting exercise to see if someone can intentionally get number you one. You can't because the game now disconnects... If you suicide a lot, it actually the no, game pa- penalizes well, you. Well, what's it? Don't suicide. Just like, I guess, Be bad, but not around. so bad. Yeah, yeah. so... I, that's an Someone's going to go for it. Someone's going for it. You know there's going to be a YouTube video. And then like, I'm number one in Smash, except it's really a bad It's thing. like It's going to be an, an ironic, the road to number one. Yeah, it'll be like golf. Yeah, <laughs> but the um, yeah, the matchmaking. So it's based on three things. It's based on global smash power. It's based on your preferred rules. I mean, so it will only match up people that have similar rule preferences. So if you prefer stock, it will only get people with stock. If you prefer time, it will get people with time. And then also proximity for lag reasons. So they're saying both those, or they're saying specifically in normal matchmaking, all three apply. I think Elite Smash might just limit it to only the smash power as a as a determining factor. So yeah, you're right. It is kind of. But yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it does seem like a step in the right direction. But. To Sakurai's credit, even if he refuses to do a proper ranked mode, I think some of the other stuff being implemented in tandem with online battles is pretty cool. Like, I really like the idea behind Smash Tags, where basically every time you beat someone, you get a little memento in the form of these pre-made tags each player gets to put together when they first go online. And you can then go back and look at all the folks you've bested. Or in my case, it'll be a blank page. But still, it's kind of a cool idea. Like, it's like a little... I don't know what analogy to use, but I, I just like it. I think it's a neat way to visually see how you've done. And they're also souping up re- video replays to let you share them with friends and online using a new feature within the Switch Online app that they're going to be calling Smash World. It's not out till next year, but basically it's the concept of Mario Kart 8's old Mario Kart TV just applied to, or MKTV, I think is how they technically named it. It's just applied to Smash. So you'll be and able where to... Is Mortal... And where is Mario Kart TV? I was going to say Mortal Kombat TV. <laughs> It's like we have the phone app. We're paying for it now. Like Mario Kart, what the hell? Yeah, I know. I remember when they first announced the premium Switch Online. It's like, oh, Mario Kart TV is going to come back. And then no. And then when Switch Online came out, I think I even said, where is Mario Kart TV? And nothing. But it's nice that Smash is kind of doing it. And they're doing something kind of cool where it's going to be within the app as a special segment. But it will have like kind of a interesting UI where it's like sort of a feed but sort of like a Pinterest board looking thing. And I'm imagining what Nintendo's going to leverage it for is to not just show what your friends are doing. But because it's kind of not a traditional feed, they can also insert professional players, advanced techniques to learn, you know, and your friends' accomplishments, all kind of in one big grid. So that that to me seems kind of cool. But weirdly, when announcing it in the direct, Sakurai emphasized how it won't do stat tracking at all. Which, given that the game has stat tracking based in on individual player level, up the wazoo. Yeah, it seems both reasonable not put in the app for that reason, but also really odd to not put it in the app because they're already tracking like like all that information i mean if you really want to see how you're doing yeah you can go in the game but at the same time nintendo has all the data so why not just add it to smash world as a secondary screen or something make a leaderboard of people with the most collected smash tags or something or like you know they can take the global smash power stuff take the win loss ratios and provide a filter that lets you do a leaderboard like what you want angel or something like that like seems easy enough yet nintendo's being weirdly defiant and 
braggadocious about how they won't be doing that and will only be doing video. It's it's strange. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a cool feature, Smash Bros. I just feel like, why are you bragging? But we're not going to put the things that you want. Only this, which is cool, but not that. I, I don't know. It's it's weird. So that's kind of where Smash is. I mean, am I, am I missing anything? Are there other any other modes, features you wanted to touch on from the Direct? No, that's literally everything. Cool, because, yeah, it went through... Good the job. Direct went... Thank you. The Direct went through literally everything we could think of. Um, but I feel like we didn't need to talk about every little nitty gritty thing. So I'm glad we kind of reached a consensus on this is what there is to talk about. Because, you know, we got to save some of it for the game itself. It's three weeks away. You can go demo it at malls starting... The 19th, I believe. You can demo it at Best Buy and GameStop starting around the same time. So, like, it's we're in the home stretch. It's happening. Smash is here. Which I feel like is a bigger deal if we were waiting more than six months for it. But they only just announced it in, like, March. So, anyway. Instead of talking about Smash, let's actually switch gears a bit um, to a different kind of fight. Which are holiday sales. Nintendo put out its financial report last week for their second fiscal quarter. Which is July 1st through September 30th. And the real narrative isn't how they did, but how much they'll need to do in order to reach their own goal of selling 20 million Switch this fiscal year alone. Um, So don't get me wrong. They had a solid second quarter this past quarter. Overall profits are up 25%. They made $572 million year over year. Uh, 25% up, 25% year over year to be $572 million. Sorry, that's weirdly word. Net sales rose 4% to $3.5 billion. And Switch hardware sales in the last quarter, they, in the last quarter alone, were $3.19 million. And if you add in the quarter before that, so the first half, the first six months of the fiscal year, you're looking at Switch hardware sales to the tune of $5.07 million, which is not just up 3.7% compared to a year ago, which is good, but has also helped Switch outsell GameCube. So lifetime sales of GameCube are $21.74 million, and that's the entire life of GameCube from 2001 till now. Switch in 18 months, $22.86 million. So they're doing well. But here's the thing. Nintendo has that 20 million Switch goal looming over them. And that goal is specifically for this fiscal year. So from March, last March to next March. And as I noted, they only sold 5.07 million so far this fiscal year in the first half. Meaning that between now and the end of March, they essentially need to sell 15 million Switches. And to give you some context, they basically need to do double the number of Switches that they sold last holiday season in 2017. And that was at the peak of Switch Frenzy that had Mario Odyssey as the big new release, that Zelda, you know, it was, it was hot. And it's still going to do quite well because obviously Smash and Pokemon, but they need to somehow sell 15 million Switches in the next six months. And like like I said, Smash and Pokemon, they'll help. I mean, in a briefing in tandem with the financial report, um, Shintaro Furukawa, who is Nintendo's new president, he talked up just how important those two games are and even threw in some fun little factoids to show that they're going to bring in extra money for Nintendo even if Switch doesn't meet its goal. For example, did you know over half of all Pokemon Let's Go pre-orders also include the Pokeball Plus accessory? There's a little tidbit. And how about this? The lifetime Amiibo uh, sales, sales specifically of Amiibo figurines, have now topped $50 million. And he's that as an example of how revenue from Smash Ultimate will be beyond the game. It'll be the Amiibo. It'll be the Pro Controller. I mean, you're getting a Pro Controller, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so see, you're already helping you yes. <laughs> lean real and close to, real close to that, Mike. But yeah, it's um, it's already helping Nintendo. But he also discussed one other game that Nintendo believes is going to be crucial for the holidays, and that is Super Mario Party. Now, to be honest, even after we talked about it last episode, you know, how Mario Party debuted at number 9 on the NPD Top 10 with only two days of sales, 
I never really thought of it as a game that could be a big holiday sales performer for Nintendo. Like, Mario Parties always do well, but they kind of fizzle out. You know, they just do whatever, basically. Yet Super Mario Party is really putting up big numbers already. I mean, in the briefing, Furukawa pointed out that in the three or so weeks that it was out before the quarter closed, before Nintendo's financial period closed, the game already moved over 1.5 million copies, which is a lot for a Mario Party. I mean, on November... On November 16th, they're now coming out with a special Mario Party Joy-Con bundle that comes with the game. It comes with a yellow uh, Joy-Con. It comes with a green Joy-Con. It's all 100 bucks, And they hit $1.5 before any of that even happened. Like, And now they have this bundle, which is actually a really good deal if you consider that a pair, a pair of Joy-Cons on their own is 80 bucks and a single one's 50 So you're getting Mario Party for anywhere from like... You're basically getting Mario Party for 20 bucks. Like that That's a good deal. And they hit $1.5 without having to do that. Um, but what I find so weird about that that controller bundle is like we've seen in the past that you know bundling a game with controllers usually works quite well for the game overall. Like Wii Play is perhaps the best example of this back in the Wii days. It is to this day the fifth best-selling Wii game ever. They sold over 28 million copies of Wii Play all because it came with that Wii remote. So I imagine if you're in the market for a Switch and you need a second pair of controllers – that Mario Party bundle is really going to jump out to you, especially on Black Friday, where they're already doing a special Switch bundle of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for 300 bucks. So now you can get two games, four controllers for $400 flat with the system. Like, that's a good deal. Um, but I'm kind of surprised... Man, and you played... And you paid 300 bucks for just the console like a chump. I know, and I bought Mario Party for 60 bucks without extra controllers. I'm don't a feel, chump. Don't, don't feel too bad. I think I paid 60 for um, one two Switch. That brings up a really good point. Why? I'm honestly surprised. Like, why didn't Nintendo do this for 1-2 Switch last holiday season? Or just make it preloaded in from... Or that. But let's say they want to do the controller bundle thing. Like, they want to sell it as an extra item, not bundle it with the hardware. If they did it last holiday, it probably could have made a killing. Because, like, even now, even with 1-2 Switch's, like, meh reputation that has, it still sells surprisingly well. Like, this past quarter... 1-2-Switch sold an additional 190,000 units. Really? Yes. That's more than ARMS. ARMS sold 90,000 units. And 1-2-Switch sold 100,000 more than that. It sold more than Xenoblade 2 sold this past quarter. And Xenoblade 2 had the new DLC physical release. Xenoblade only came in at 170,000. Somehow 1-2-Switch is at 190,000. Which, you know, 20,000 is not a huge difference. But when you're saying, here's a year and a half old game that no one likes... And here's a new game with brand new DLC and a new physical release. It's kind of crazy. It still outsold it. Like, somehow, you ready for a crazy stat? Somehow, 1-2 Switch's lifetime sales are at 2.64 million. ARMS just passed 2 million recently. 1-2 Switch is, like, killing it. And I don't really know why they... Clearly, there's an interest. So, like, why don't they leverage that and make 1-2 Switch a much bigger thing? I don't know why there's an interest, but throw a controller in there. Make it you know, a hundred bucks like Mario Party was. That's just money left on the table in a way. They could have done that last holiday. It's just, I, it's weird to me. I mean, like, how would you have Wii Play? You bought Wii Play back in the day, right? Yeah, I did. Like, okay, so Wii Play is probably the most one-to-one to one-to switch. Also got Wii Play Motion. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Wii Play Motion. Um, what, between, which you think is the better product? One-two switch or Wii Play? We play. Is it because we easily? Is it because we plays modes actually have like leaderboards and score? Or no, one two switch has scores too. What is it about we play that's just the games are more fleshed out? You can actually play them for a long time. We play for one has like the the tank game itself. 
It's a super long game. That's it gets true. deeper as you go along. It's just really fun and simple. And it, hey, you... it's way deeper than you would expect. All the games on on one to switch are as shallow as you would expect. Yeah, like once you do them once, that's literally the same experience every single time. We play. You can actually, you actually have games that you can play for a long in different time. ways. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like 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 I was saying, I think like the best like it's the most analogous to, to one to switch if it were to get a console or a uh, sorry a controller bundle it's, it's like would one, have been one to uh, one to switch is like the demo to a game that never came and we play is the actual game right well maybe so maybe that's why mario party is the one that's getting the bundle instead of one to switch because mario party i guess in reality is closer to we play in that it has it literally has a tank game it's like the same game <laughs> no but it has more meat on the bone so i guess it does feel like a more worthwhile investment like maybe nintendo's just trying to bury one to switch at this point yeah but i i I'm they're they're definitely hoping that um mario party becomes a big seller for them i mean Furukawa said for furu wow i'm not good Furukawa Kawa said in the briefing that they fully expected uh they fully expect that super mario party is going to be their next big evergreen title and that the joy con bundle is just to kind of push it further down that path so yeah maybe they are just trying to bury one two switch i'm surprised they didn't give it a chance last holiday but whatever it does rather nicely bring us to the other half of nintendo's holiday strategy though like obviously new games are important mario party pokemon smash but you gotta give um credit where credit's due yeah you gotta give credit where credit's due and you gotta admit you gotta like hand it to the existing games because they're also carrying a lot of weight i mean nintendo more than ever before perhaps is reliant on these existing games and leveraging those games in, as a significant driving force of getting to that 20 million Switch goal. Um, I mean, frankly, I don't blame them. Two of Switch's million sellers this past quarter weren't even new games. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold 1.36 million more copies wow. a year after its release in this past quarter. Its total lifetime sales are 11.71 million now. Mario Odyssey sold a million copies these past three months to bring its total to 12.17 million. It's Switch's top selling game, period. Even Breath of the Wild, it moved nearly a million units in just the last quarter alone, 960,000, uh, which means that its sales toll is now at 10.28 million for just the Switch version of Breath of the Wild, which actually makes it the top-selling individual Zelda release ever, like individual SKU, ever. So all these games, even a year out, a year and a half out from when they came out, they're all still doing really well, and they still have like crazy high attach rates. Furukawa said during the briefing that they have not seen any change in attach rate to any of these games. Like a third of the people that bought new Switches this past quarter of those 3 million that bought it also bought Zelda is what this number is saying. And Mario and Mario Kart are seeing similar numbers. They're basically as if they're brand new for new Switch owners. Which, if you're trying to sell a system and hit a certain goal, oh, having yeah. these plus the new games is a pretty good double whammy. Yeah, as much as I feel like at least like Breath of the Wild and Mario Super Mario Odyssey don't really have... Um... I guess longevity, yeah, like other games did. There, I would still definitely say that they're like must have if you have if you just bought a system. right. So and, it makes and sense. Yeah. It does, and I think I still think they should. I mean, clearly the numbers suggest they don't need to, but I still think it would have been cool if they did DLC for Mario Kart this holiday, like a third DLC. Well, I guess the yeah, first DLC pack. Yeah, I mean they're they work great for them when they did it the with first a time. third of zero track and still no Captain Falcon. Of course not. And somehow you didn't even know there was a second. Yeah, I forgot that Big Blue was it was a Big Blue or the other one. Yeah, it was Big Blue. yeah, I forgot Big Blue was even in Mario Kart. I'm a bad fan. I mean, you're also aging. Okay, we don't need to get into that. But <laughs> but you're not you're not wrong. We all are aging together. Together, we're all slowly dying. It's a gray area. 
see what you're doing here. Yeah. Let's see what you're doing here. Anyway, uh, what's perhaps more interesting to me at least than those big numbers put up by the obvious evergreen tiles is what's just below those. Because those three that I just mentioned, you know, Mario, Mario Kart, Zelda, of course they're going to sell well. I mean, fact of the matter is, this past quarter, did you know Mario Kart Wii managed to somehow sell 40,000 units? I don't even know where people are finding the game. Yeah. But it still managed to sell 40,000. So, like, Mario Kart, right? It's almost as if Nintendo's juking the stats. No, but... um, From their online store, do they still sell games? I don't think so. Someone's just finding them in a dusty bin in Walmart and buying them, I guess. I don't really know, but... Somehow, you know, the Mario Kart is so boring, though. It is very boring, but it says Mario Kart, and that's all it takes. Like, yeah. if if that on Wii can sell forty thousand, however many years after it came out, two generations later, yeah, Mario Kart on Switch is of course gonna sell well. But what's surprising to me is seeing smaller tiles become evergreens on their own. So Splatoon two, that one kind of straddles the line between being like a given uh, evergreen and a newcomer, and it managed to move seven hundred ten thousand units, so almost three quarters of a million in pa- in the past quarter, but. You know what performed even better than that, surprisingly, was Mario Tennis Aces. It moved 780,000 units. Its lifetime sales, remember, it's only been out since June, are already at 2.16 million. And Furukawa indicated it's that... The constant flow of DLC. Well, it, yeah, it's the, it's, he indicated that there's two things attributing to it. Uh, first, he showed this crazy chart. This chart, it was the first 17 weeks of any Mario Tennis from the last few generations. And Aces has sold more than double all of them. It, it, you know, Power Tennis couldn't come close on Wii. Open on 3DS couldn't come close. Certainly Ultra Smash on Wii U didn't come close. Um, but yeah, Aces is just powering through, and he did attribute it to two things. One is um, not what you said. One is that it is basically resonating with the whole anytime, anywhere, with any one message of the Switch. You know, we've seen any game that leans into this idea that came from Nintendo seems to do quite well. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, it's still 1.67 million units now. That's in large part because, you know, co-op at any time with anyone. Kirby Star Allies, that moved another nearly quarter million units last quarter. 210,000 to be I precise. I forget that game's on the Switch sometimes. Right, and it, but but did you know it already has as many sales as ARMS? 2.1 million. And it's been out since only March. Like, any game that's a familiar face that leans in on this whole uh, Switch philosophy seems to do well. And it's a simple, clean-cut, clean-cut explanation of how these evergreens work and why they work. And it does help Nintendo get closer to the goal, but there is the other co- side of the coin, which is what you were saying, which is beyond just matching the MO of a Switch game, they have this DLC thing. They have what they're calling long-term play. And it's a point that Furukawa discussed um, pretty like pretty heavily in the presentation, like heavily enough that I think it has meaning beyond just, these games are doing well because we support them for a long time. Like He was saying that it's important that they offer long-term play through new content, in-game events, that sort of thing. And we talked about on the show that's win-win. You know, the people who own the game get new content. Nintendo gets to get extra marketing out of it. But to hear Furukawa go into so much detail about it and always talk about it like it's like this to- core tenet of Nintendo's approach to gaming now, it's interesting because it means we may soon enter a period where basically the vast majority of these games are services now, in a way. Like, I don't think we're going to get Splatoon level for everything, but, you know, the Mii example is Mario Tennis Aces. They've been doing, what, monthly characters? Basically, in monthly online tournaments. And I don't know. I, I haven't played it in a while, but is that actually getting you to go back and play it at all? Or are you pretty I much out? I haven't touched it in a long Okay, so we're both in the same time. boat. But clearly, it's working for someone because the game's selling well and the events are continuing on and whatnot. So it's working on some level. But what, what's the most immediate example? Um, 
of how they're now starting to adapt to this strategy on the fly. Still on my radar, but just haven't done it. Right, same. Yeah, like I know Paratrooper is the current one. I just haven't done it. But um, the more media example that's kind of demonstrating how they're now switching to this strategy more is probably Kirby Star Allies. Like I said, it sold, you know, a quarter of a million last quarter, whatever. But with Kirby, what we were originally told, if I'm not mistaken, is we're going to get a few DLC packs of new playable characters, Kirby's friends, dream friends, and that's it. And then they announced out of nowhere that the new DLC pack, which now comes out November 30th, is actually going to go one step further and include an entirely new mode. It's called Heroes of, uh, in Another Dimension. It's basically a challenge mode. It's all new levels, and there's a new goal of collecting friend hearts scattered around each level, and then they will have harder boss fights to go against. I think it's the bosses from Elsinore in the game just ramped up in difficulty, but in new environments. And that, as far as I'm aware, was not a thing. When they first announced the DLC, is that just kind of came DLC in. The DLC that came with the artist, dude. Oh, this is the new iteration of that. Yes, so they've done three of these packs where it's just Dream Friends, and you get to control the artist dude, I know... and you get to control Gooey, and like all that, and the hamster. Because I know when the artist dude came out, they also included levels from Kirby's Crystal Shards in it. Right, and that's that's more in line with what they're saying. It's like throwback stuff to existing Kirby games, but now they're going, we're going to give you a whole new mode. Mm. And I don't remember that originally being part of the deal which is great it's all free but like yeah, to because hear f- new levels weren't even part of the original deal for so it's just right so it's it's like we're watching in real time as nintendo as for is implementing this long play idea where they keep pumping content to existing games to keep it elevated and keep it in people's mindsets and everything which is interesting like i haven't gone back to kirby i tried some of the crystal shards levels, but i haven't gone back since that i might check out the mode i mean it's there and then, so for me, that's getting me to re-engage or switch. Maybe I look at other games at that point. For people that never bought Kirby, it's suddenly on everyone's radar. Like, Nintendo tweeted out this afternoon a new trailer and everything for a game they haven't really talked about in a couple of months. So it is, it kind of works across the board for that for everyone. And it's not really stopping there either. Like, another game that it turns out is getting DLC is um, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, which we learned in the presentation or in the uh, financial report, Nintendo themselves are actually going to publish this, which is why I'm l- lumping it in here because... Um, Originally, this was a small spin-off game, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's not a real No More Heroes. It's kind of a top-down indie game thing. Nintendo's helping us out with it. It'll be this fun little thing. But now it has a season pass of DLC, and it's getting a physical release according to online listings. And according to those online listings, if you buy the physical release, you get all the DLC included in the $40 price, which is pretty cool in and of itself. But like I said, this started off as a small like spin-off project to ultimately lead to No More Heroes 3. Now it's becoming a self-contained little mini game as service where Nintendo and Grasshopper are making it like this longer play, bigger deal thing out of basically nowhere. Which, you know, just I, to me at least sounds like it's for a car strategy again being implemented. And then if you look at the other end of that same, like the other side of that same coin, you got something like Zelda. And a lot of folks have been reporting this news story that uh, Zelda, Nintendo is hiring folks for a new Zelda project. And the story's been going, oh look, Nintendo's making a new Zelda. Crazy. Like, of course they're making a new Zelda, no doubt. But what's newsworthy to me is that they're hiring, in particular, among other things, a designer with experience in designing in-game events. And to be fair, this could very well just mean story events as much as it can mean some sort of long-term play or, like, game-as-service thing. But given what Furukawa's been saying, given what we're seeing with Mario Tennis already happening, with Kirby now, with Travis uh, Strikes Again starting to out of nowhere get DLC... It kind of lines up that something's going to happen with Zelda as well. And it does make me wonder, like, if they do go down this road, like, what could that be? Like, what would Zelda as a game of service be? The first thing that comes to my mind 
is a four sword style game like a spin-off maybe with maybe there's like you get your band of links together online or whatever and you go through rotating in-game events and maybe there's online support for your band of links and you can you know have different maps and different dungeons that come in and out kind of like splatoon um or you know maybe they just release them as normal dlc packs every so often and the game just is almost like a zelda where you start with only a couple dungeons but by a year from now there's triple that kind of like how splatoon slowly built out or you know maybe they have all the links all your individual teams of four links contribute to some sort of bigger ultimate goal kind of like a splat fest like i don't know but something like that could work and could turn zelda into like a long play service in the same way that some other games are i mean they already sorted it with the dlc but that's done now so it's kind of like is this is this to do that again with another zelda or are they gonna go all in with something else like would you i think an online four sword would be cool as some sort of like maybe it's like 30 bucks but then it slowly builds out over time kind of like how they stacked arms over time that like, would catch my attention right like that could be cool and yeah, i don't know if that could be cool yeah i don't know if they're necessarily doing that but you know seeing them hire someone for in-game events certainly suggests they're doing something in line with what for uh for was saying about this long play stuff and actually speaking of Splatfest, they did just announce um they just announced a new one it's gonna be on guacamole the 16th yes team guacamole or team salsa where are you they're Oh, they're both interchangeable. No, are they? No, one's spicy and one's like creamy. No, because I mean, when I think salsa, I don't think anything spicy whatsoever. Have you not been to Chipotle where they said you want mild, medium, or hot? I just had it for lunch. I'm yeah, telling you, it's exactly. There's mild salsa and I know, there's guac. Yeah. Right? I I like guac, but I think I'm for sure team salsa. I have salsa on my stuff before I have guac any all the time. I don't know. I'm completely neutral. Weird. I thought we might actually agree on this one, but it sounds like because I mean I like. Not. I don't know, because, I mean, I like guac on some things, and I like salsa on other things. That's fair. All right, let me ask you a different... And when I go to Chipotle, I, if I can put both, I'll put both. You can put both. One just costs you extra money, which is probably why I don't do it now that I think about it. Nothing, so it doesn't really matter to me. All right, well, good thing you don't really... It's a pointless Splatfest. It's not pointless. Someone out there is an avocado warrior, so... And someone out there is a tomato warrior. I can't think of another word for warrior. Tomato knight. So, they'll duke it out. You don't have to do get up. I didn't even play the Ninja Turtles Splatfest. Which is surprising because Ninja Turtles. Fine. Well, here's a here's a different question. More broadly speaking. I mean, it sounds like the Splatfest don't engage you. So if Nintendo is really going... to the Halloween one where they changed it up. I didn't even log in to see what it looked like. It looked pretty. But um, I know I saw it, this yeah. all leads to a different question now that you're saying Ask all this. Ask stuff to Salmon Run and that will get me to come They out. are. New map. When? Coming soon. I think this month. They just put out version 4.2.0 and that's one of the things they promised was a new map for salmon uh, run then, then i guess that'll make me come back to check it out but like so what okay so it sounds like you there, you have very specific wants and needs that get you to go back to games so let me ask you this if every single game were to become some sort of game of service so they do this long play thing as for a caller referred to it at as how do you feel about that how do you feel about games basically never ending now that's fine like you it uh, regardless of scope and size I mean, all your games just perpetually I going feel like on that model is should have been used with Odyssey already. And they sort they've been like dabbling in it. We get new snapshot filters. The we Luigi, get new costumes. The, the filters are pointless. The costumes are stupid. Hey, the hey 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 hey. The costumes. It's called memes, and about one percent of players do them. So let, let, let me rephrase. <laughs> the costumes themselves, the way they're designed and they look, are not stupid. But the fact that that's all it is. What I think that is stupid is that they're charging you so much money for them. Like, what? If, Oh, in game, in game. I think my real money. I'm like, no, it's free. Like, I when I when I at the time when I 100 percent in Odyssey, 
I bought the skeleton costume that costs like 9,999 coins. And then, yeah, so like you, and it takes a while to get those coins. You really have to grind to get them. So getting that costume is kind of a pain mm-hmm. because you still have to buy the other ones that you still have to save up money to buy. And then here comes the DLC costumes, which cost like money in the thousands. And it's like, oh, so you're telling me there's already nothing left to do in the game except just grind more coins to get these costumes? Why don't you just give me the costumes? So I don't have to yeah, keep replaying the same mini games over and over again. That's kind of silly. Like, just give me the costumes. They look cool. Don't make me replay the same mini game a hundred times just so yeah. I can afford it. Nah, that that makes sense. At least in the Mario anniversary, they included all those sprites of Captain Toad and Luigi to give you a, t- a bunch of coins. Right. And they're but all dancing. Just keep that active, at least. But then, but then that makes it even pointer because then you have to do that every time to get costumes. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're like dropping the ball on Mario Odyssey. I kind of, you know, in a worse and worse. In a weird way, I kind of like the fact that Mario Odyssey's main gameplay just like ended. Like, it's nice to be like, I beat that game and know. And this is in general with this long play stuff to me personally. I kind of like. Grant, I never beat my games, but let's say I did hypothetically. I kind of like the idea of saying. This is done now. Like, you don't watch a movie, and then two years later, like, by the way, we added an extra 10 minutes. You got to go back. It's like, wait, what? Like, I get... That does happen, though. Director's cuts, I guess. Yeah, that's true, but... Yeah. Bad example. Sometimes there's also alternate endings. That's and... true. Yeah, Blade Runner has, like, seven. I know. I didn't even... When I wanted to watch Sometimes Blade Runner for the first time, for... I didn't even know which Blade Runner to watch. Yeah, going back to Blade Runner, something... Yeah, exactly. Like, you have one with the narration, and you yeah. have one without... So I was like, which one do you watch? Do you want one with the extra scene, or do you want one? With yeah, the okay, that's fair. But I don't know. I kind of like. I already, maybe... I, I already watched the original one in theaters. Like, oh yeah, but the version you saw was the edited one. Is the one that the director didn't go, want. So that yeah. means I have to go back and wait and buy it again later. Fine. Let me let me rephrase that. I think it's true for movies for me too. I don't. I think I like the concept of I have finished the thing. It is done. Well, I mean, you have to finish it first. I know. I already made that point a second ago. But um, yeah, it's like I, I'm not against this at all. Like there's only benefits and there's nothing stopping me from staying at that finished state. I don't have to keep going. But it is nice to know like, oh, yeah, I saw everything there was in game I mean, game that's how I'm with Splatoon. Like, I mean, I beat the game. They added right. more. They added the octo expansion. It's not going I'm, back. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like, I'm satisfied. But, but I mean, I do get for people who are into these games I mean, heavily. Odyssey, it makes like, sense. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I felt like it was – a, a fun ride but then the ending sucked yeah like I mean the ending like yeah we, I know yeah, you're feeling on the ending yeah, yeah. yeah it was just anticlimactic but um right. I don't know I just feel like I want more and also not to mention the fact that like I feel like the groundwork is there like to like let me replay some sunshine the fact that they haven't done an Isle or... yeah the fact they haven't done Isle Delfino yeah ki- different kingdoms of different like Mario versions like it seems like a given for Odyssey yeah. but like oh, I guess I have to wait five years for the next one. I, guess. I don't even know what they're doing. Exactly. Mario, but... Like, what are they gonna do? Yeah, but um, well, presumably with this new long play strategy, they will come out with con- with content of con- kingdom content eventually. Or, or maybe the problem with me all along. Uh, maybe I've, I've just gotten <laughs> the problem was inside <laughs> because maybe the reason the other Mario games took me longer to beat was maybe not because well, they were definitely harder. I can't attest to that, but yeah. Maybe also, like, I've just gotten better at gaming in general that when this one came around, like, it just didn't send a chance that when I beat it, maybe. it just felt... And, and uh, maybe also just rushed it too fast? I don't know. Because, I mean, it was just so fun I couldn't stop playing it. It was like, I can't stop. And then I beat it, and then it's like, that's it? I like your anecdote. It was so fun I couldn't stop playing it. And I was like, I can't stop. Like, yep, if it was so fun you couldn't stop, you probably did declare you can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. So so maybe for something like Mario, it does make sense for them to do this. More so than some other games. And yet, weirdly, they're not. But they're doing it with Kirby and Travis 
strikes again. I mean, again. I feel it makes more sense for Mario than for Zelda. Yeah. Yeah, but then Zelda had that high, that that job listing where it's like, well, are they really dabbling in it? So it's it's a lot of questions with no real answers at the point. I mean, I do get the appeal of it, like it's free content or affordable DLC. It adds the overall value. It's great for folks who don't buy as many games. It gives them more to do and play. Likewise, of course, there's a huge business side to it, which I understand completely. I mean, like maybe I want something done, but like for one thing, it lets Nintendo continue to sell these games at their full sixty dollar MSRP for way longer because there's constantly new value being added like i get that like okay yeah i bought my mario and i got my 60 dollars worth and i want to stop there but six years from now when mario's the old game someone's gonna be like well to me that's only 40 dollars worth because it's old now and while that doesn't make sense because it's the exact same content um i do understand that this helps counter that a little and also lets nintendo have like I guess you call them more active games for a longer period of time, like in the marketplace at once. Like they're more, you know, when they run commercials for the Switch right now, at the end of the commercial, they always throw the Switch in front of a wall of games. And it's because those games are still relevant in some way and, and useful. And they can continue to pump out new titles, but they can also give old titles a boost by doing stuff like this. So I, I do get it. And I also get that, you know, like for in game events, this is a very easy way to sell Switch Online as a service because um, you only get to do the event if you're paying for Switch Online. So it's almost like they're getting double the money now because they get the money from the DLC plus or the you know or the original purchase, plus now they're getting your monthly fee. And what's kind of interesting is uh, Furukawa did not give hard numbers in the presentation, but he did share that, to Nintendo's surprise, over half of all Switch Online subscribers opted to do the one-year plan versus the monthly plan, and I am very confused as to why that's a surprise to them. If you know you need it to play online and you know you're going to need it for Smash, like how many people are going to buy it and be like, no, nah, I'm just going to cancel, but I'll buy it again in two months. Like, no, you're just going to buy the year because it's significantly cheaper. Like, why did they think people would buy it monthly that frequently? I, I don't know. But anyway, um, to understand his credit, all the long-term play stuff does seem to be working so far. I mean, it's evident by the fact that we just talked about how, you know, those evergreen tiles keep selling. Uh, their digital sales are up apparently nearly 72% according to the presentation. But perhaps most notably, they're able to do this without interfering with their other new releases on Switch. Like Furukawa pointed out that um, Octopath Traveler, over a million copies sold. And also that nearly half of all Switches on the planet Earth have downloaded Fortnite. That's a lot. That's like 11 million people downloading Fortnite. Wow. Yeah, on just Switch. And then similarly, you know, we're hearing from Capcom that they're saying all their ports and compilations on Switch are doing well, um, specifically in the West. Uh, Street Fighter and Mega Man collections, they're selling well, and they're describing Monster Hunter Generation sales as robust on Switch, which is a nice cryptic way of saying it could be anything from adequate to great, but it's it's something they're not saying bombed, which is progress. So it's not like anything's hindered or hurt by the long play thing, but I do wonder what happens if Nintendo does this when every game becomes kind of long played like when every game becomes a mini service of its own when every game or the majority of games suddenly have these never-ending things like at that point you're competing for time against yourself and it's hard to say what wins out like in my mind it's almost like a second layer of the ongoing too many game problem because for highlighted that there are 1300 titles available for switch now from 500 different companies worldwide which is great for variety but if you're competing not just against other new releases in the same window as you, but now you're also com- competing not just against the evergreens on top of that, but also all these little smaller titles that all have like new DLC or new characters or new whatever. It's just, it seems like you're, it seems ripe for more games to get buried. 
So I, I mean, I don't have an answer. Like short term, it's not going to be a problem for them. They'll be fine. At least going into this holiday can only help Nintendo's momentum. Any game that can push towards 20 million Switches sold will do it. And more game of, games of note I mean, mean more opportunities. Having Smash Brothers available before Black Friday has helped. I think that's partly why the bundle came out in November. But they did launch Smash Brothers Melee. I mean, I guess in the same week of December week a year buy ago, it before Black Friday, or I guess buy eShop cards for the. Yeah, game, I mean but... they've had preloaded since the direct. Yeah. The bundle comes with it, so you I can think... literally buy the digital card at Best Buy. So yeah, like so, I think they're fine. Yeah. So they have that plus the fact that history has shown they released Melee in on the same week of December in 2001 Wait, so, and it worked just fine. So for the – I forgot what they're called. The where the, That place where you get the numbers from? The financial report? This is all from Nintendo directly or do you mean MPD? MPD. So MPD is only U.S. numbers. Oh, okay. yes, well, regardless, um, so we've established in the past that MPD doesn't cover eShop games, right? Correct. So if – you buy the card at Best Buy for Smash Brothers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think, I it's think like, they're not included. That... I think they're not included because they count physical sales, and they do have a separate category a, for. But I mean, it's canon that Smash Brothers was sold. Is what I'm confused about. I. But it's... that's a very good question. Who can now they ask? do have a category. There's someone, I, there's someone there, on Twitter. Is there an email I can read? There is a there is a NPD analyst. There's an NPD analyst on Twitter. Matt something. Piscatalia? That's not the right last name. Um, I, I is can, he an Episcatalian? He, no, because that's not his last name. I got it wrong. But he is really good at answering questions. I, a lot of the insights and more deeper, like deeper level stats I share usually come from him. Um, How, so let's so we, can just, we can Twitter. We can tweet him. Would he actually respond to me? Possibly. He'll get a ton, so maybe. I guess I'll... You're going to do it live on the air? I guess I'll give it a go. All right, well, let me get you his name. Nice. Everyone, we're live tweeting on the Ram Nintendo podcast. It's happening, whether you want to or not. His name. Hang on, let me get some get my phone. This is the type of quality content that people look for. We like live know, tweeting live. We, we must be- know whether buying a digital card counts towards MPD sales in the U.S. Matt, his last name, and this is good for anyone that's interested in sales. Like all the stuff I've been rambling for the last like twenty minutes. Like honestly, this dude's worth following. He has some great insights. Matt stuff. with two T's. M A T. I did get his last name right. P I S C A T E L L A. Oh, Piscatella? Piscatella. Anyway, feel oh. free to tweet him. Everyone, feel free to tweet him, but don't tell him we <laughs> sent you. Um, but no, he, he gives some great insights. So yeah, that question can be answered oh, there. I can send him a message. Yes, because that's how Twitter works. Thought, oh, you mean a private message? A direct private message, message yeah. yeah. Do it. I thought you have to, like, friend each other with some private um, they have opened that up on Twitter wow this is a great Twitter alerting opportunity for everyone isn't it but um, my point is what I was getting at you is you're, gonna, you're actually gonna lie okay go ahead yeah. type it oh, out loud hello Mr. Piscatella I am writing you <laughs> are you writing this with like a quill pen or something it's been a long <laughs> war We've been we've been in the trenches for two weeks, but I missed you dearly, Miss Piscatella. I have a question you may know the answer to. <laughs> this is you know what? Do this after. I'm just gonna keep talking. Um, the thing I was gonna say just to wrap up the Switch conversation about mean or twenty million is at this point any game, long play, short play, evergreen, new is gonna help hit that goal. More games, more opportunities. Um, and there's one thing to consider that we haven't talked about, and that is yes, the holidays matter. But in January, Nintendo's also releasing Super Mario Brother, new Super Mario Brother 
U Deluxe, which in and of itself is likely to be a big performer for them in a month where they usually don't have anything. So that may help too, especially if people got a Switch and need more games or like are going to buy a Switch and want a game and then there's a new Mario, you know, using their gift cards or whatever. So it could work. And, and the thing is, like, even if Nintendo doesn't hit their Switch goal, they'll be fine. I mean, it's an arbitrary goal they set. It's at most a PR blunder. They're still raking in money through Switch and elsewhere. I mean, just give you an idea. Like, we spent a lot of time focusing on the hardware goal of $20 million and individual game sales. But it's worth noting that across the whole library of Switch games, Switch has sold in just the first half of this fiscal year 42 million games. That is 91% higher than a year ago. The one thing that's weirdly still unknown is Labo. Um, Nintendo only dedicated one quick slide to it in the presentation. They said that they expect sales to, quote, accelerate during the holidays because it's a good gift for kids. We don't know by just how much or how little given, you know, what it's doing. Uh, We don't know by how much it'll accelerate or what the sales numbers look like for the vehicle kit. Or where the brand is going to stand at this point or beyond. But even then, even if Labo bombs, everything else Nintendo is doing is going to rake in a ton of money for them. So yeah, this this lofty 20 million goal is something they want to hit. It's something we spent a lot of time talking about. But in the grand scheme of things, they're still going to make money. They're still going to get great sales. Even if they don't hit 20 million this fiscal year, it'll probably hit 16, 17, 18, 19. So they'll be fine. And you and you know, you got to consider everything else they got going on. Like, uh, how's that tweet coming? Almost done. Okay. But what I was going to say is, like, you got to consider everything else going on. Because, like, take, for example, the 3DS. Nintendo continues to push it as this low-budget, entry-level system during this holiday season. They're even going as far as releasing a new special edition 2DS for Black Friday. It's bundled with Super Mario Maker. It's colored in kind of a similar red-yellow style. It comes completely with a little 8-bit Mario really nice. stamped on it. It does look nice. It has a decidedly... It made me go, man, I kind of want that, but I'm not It does buy it. have kind of a toyish look to it, more so than it some does, other yeah. 2DS, but... That makes sense because that's absolutely what the purpose of the system is at this point in its life. It's easy money for Nintendo. They know the demographic they're targeting, so they're going after it. And, you know, we always talk about how 3DS sales are waning, um, and they are. Let's be clear. They are. Only 1 million 3DS systems and 2DS systems combined, 3DS family, only 1 million of those were sold in the first half of this fiscal year. That's pretty low. Uh, But consider... You know, consider going into the holidays with a pure profit machine like this. Even if it is one million, that's one million in pure profit. And consider the fact that even if they always, you know, even though they always sold one million up till now, they sold six point two seven million games. That's again just a lot of money for Nintendo to not take advantage of being able to make. So a year from now, like who knows where the 3DS will stand? Furukawa even said during the financial briefings Q and A that he feels this holiday season in particular may be the one where 3DS peaks, and you know, it, it peaks in this, like, I should clarify, it peaks in, like, the diminished role as an entry-level system. Like, it already peaked, but now it's, like, is it going to peak again as this kind of, like, baby's right, first thanks. console? Cool. Um, but you know what? Like, even if it peaks this year, might as well leverage that. Like, it's going to bring in cash for Nintendo. It's going to prime some youngins to become Nintendo fanboys. It's win-win. Um, I did find it funny in the in the financials. Um, Furukawa, throughout the Q&A, whenever somebody would ask him about the 3DS, he'd always play up how Switch is also a handheld. So to me, it sounds like he's personally ready to move on, even if Nintendo still wants to make the last bits of money. But I I would be surprised if the 3DS is here next holiday, based on everything he's saying and his tone and everything. But for now, it's a moneymaker. So even if Switch underperforms a little, you got 3DS boosting it, you got NES Classic and Super NES Classic. Together, they're making tons of money for Nintendo. They've sold combined over 10 million units. 3.69 million were just in the last quarter alone. 
they're going to be good if albeit a bit pricey stocking stuffers they're going to do great they finally have inventory at levels that are good uh, so you know it's easy money for Nintendo easy money easy money but then of course you've got mobile on top of both of those and this but is the last problems huh but that's more problems though more problems more mo, yeah more 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 problems <laughs> I think I strained something. That was whew. But yeah, mobile's interesting because it's another revenue stream for Nintendo. But it's a bit of a smaller one. I mean, they brought in $164 million last quarter, which is up 4% year over year. What's interesting is that number barely inclu- includes Dragalia loss. Dragalia loss is out for like a week before the quarter ended. Um, and by all accounts, it seems like it's off to a good start. Nintendo says that they've had over 1 million pre-registrations for the game before it came out. And then Sensor Tower, the data firm, seems to corroborate that with their own data. They estimate the game brought in 28 million bucks in Japan and the U.S. during its first month, which makes it the second strongest Nintendo mobile game launch. I think it's only behind Fire Emblem Heroes, which made somewhere around double that, like 48, 50 million. And for comparison... I'm happy it's doing well just because it's a new IP. Yes, me too. Oh, Me too. Good. It's interesting because you know Furukawa he explained in the presentation. I'm hoping the the next game they do is not like as safe. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about this one is, is the only reason it's doing so well in Nintendo's mind. I mean, yeah, because it's a new IP. Is Furukawa said during the Q and A of the presentation that's because of the brands. So in the West, having it be a quote unquote Nintendo game helped propel it here, and in Japan, but having it be a quote unquote Psy Games project helped it propel over there. So without those, yeah, this would have done well. But because it has those, that's why it's doing well. That's why it's second behind Fire Emblem. That's why it's – here's another stat from Sensor Tower. Mario uh, Mario Runway came out, made $20 million in its first month. Animal Crossing made $13 million. Dragalia lost is at 28 already. Like to give you an idea of the gap here, Dragalia is ahead of Animal Crossing by 81%. Animal Crossing, top-tier Nintendo franchise. This is ahead of that. And, and more significantly than that is the ratio of purchases per player. Like, Dragalia was, according to Center Tower, only, and I use uh, that term loosely, it was only downloaded by an estimated 1.3 million people, meaning that each person spent, on average, $18 in the game. Granted, it's an average. Like, I spent nothing. I think you spent nothing. Yeah. I don't think I've spent a single penny in a single Nintendo mobile game. Pokemon Go doesn't count. It's Niantic. How much did you spend on Go? I had 12 bucks ever, total. Maybe 15 What'd you buy again? More Pokeballs and no more storage. Oh yeah, yeah, more storage. I bought Poke Coins to get more storage to hold more items and more Pokemon. So you didn't buy Pokeballs. I might have at some point actually bought <laughs> Pokeballs too. Okay, <laughs> so I've, I've actually all right. Coming clean, I spent five hundred sixty-two dollars in Pokemon Go. No, it's uh, <laughs> <In> Pokeballs. <laughs> the Pokeballs. thing you you can get for free only if you like are at the right place at the right time. That made no sense, but yeah, I the thing you can get for free in limited quantities. But I um, mean, defend you for once. Um, but you do. I I did notice you've caught about two thousand Pokemon. So I guess you having to buy Pokeballs at some point was justified. Thank you for sticking up for me in your own attack of me. It's much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Gesundheit. But in um Gesundheit again. You always might as well wait until I'm done. Yeah. Well, that was only two. Usually it's four. That is true. That is true. But anyway, what I was gonna say is Dragalia is crazy because eighteen dollars per player. Like, that's the single best performance per player of any Nintendo mobile release so far. Fire Emblem Heroes, that's number two. That only made a third. That was about six bucks per player. So, even if we're not buying the money in Nintendo's mobile games, some people seem to be very invested. But us excluded, it is going to be interesting to see just, like, how high Nintendo's mobile sales numbers are going to go now that we know Dragalia is doing well and bringing in this much money. Um, 
we didn't really get any sense of it in the presentation because it's too new but it does seem why why i could gather from what furukawa was saying is nintendo's other mobile games are pretty much maintaining a status quo at this point like dragalia is the one to watch like mario run it, they continue to point out oh it's creeping towards 300 million downloads worldwide here we go but it does seem like they're finally comfortable with the fact that the game is not going to do suddenly this huge boost in sales like remember they originally saying oh we're disappointed by the profit it's too low it underperformed now they're just like yeah it's an evergreen mobile tile people will download it when they get new phones they'll play it we're good so they seem to kind of have come to terms with what it actually is they got fire emblem heroes it is growing at a steady rate it's actually now for the first time making um it has more players outside japan than inside japan which i considering fire emblem barely at one point was going to be in the west like they almost canceled it entirely that's that's pretty impressive but that's just kind of you know creeping along at the same rate and then you've got animal crossing pocket camp it seems like from how nintendo worded it, it leveled off its player base a bit and it does skew towards women kind of interestingly but uh, nintendo's gonna be tweaking in-game monetization to make up for the fact that this player base is kind of flattened so we're supposedly gonna see updates to both fire emblem and animal crossing but who knows if that's gonna propel them in a meaningful way who knows if that's even gonna get people to come back to them I mean, is there anything that would draw you back to those games? For me, I think it's like I'm, I'm done. Or Animal Crossing? Or Fire Emblem Heroes. Mm, nothing. That's kind of my attitude. Like, at this point, I'm ready for yeah, Mario Kart Tour. I don't really know what they could do in Animal Crossing. And it sucks because I like the concept of Animal Crossing on your phone. But... Yeah, it wasn't. They said they're going to add some new gameplay dimensions or something. Like, they're going to expand the gameplay variety. But, um, like, I'll just play Animal Crossing on Switch or Animal Crossing. Like, at this point, I'm more interested in what they're going to do with Mario Kart Tour, which is still supposed to be out before end of this fiscal year. So, by March 31st. But we have no idea what that's going to be. Um, but yeah, it's so it'll be interesting to see like when we do this whole song and dance with the financials next quarter. It'll be interesting to see where Dragalia rates compared to these other ones, and how if you know if it brings up Nintendo's total mobile money and all that. And that that really does bring us to the end of the financial news from Nintendo. However, there is one other area of note that does make Nintendo a time money is probably worth mentioning, and that's those IP partnerships. So none of these will make a difference this holiday. None of this has to do with the 20 million goal. But looking beyond just the holidays, you got stuff like the Mario and Detective Pikachu movies. You got the Universal Theme Park. All of this is a whole separate revenue stream for Nintendo that they never had before. I mean, even something like Pokemon Go, when we were talking about it a minute ago, that's a game Nintendo barely has any first-hand involvement in until very recently. It's this whole money flow they just didn't have like in october pokemon go made 76 million dollars that's 67 percent more than it made october of last year like it's having a big comeback and nintendo just gets a third of it like here you go here's some free money i mean yeah they're integrating with let's go meltan all that sure but you know they're leveraging it as a marketing tool but like it's basically free money for nintendo so those partnerships are going to continue but what i'm building here what i'm building towards here is that there's been some interesting and potentially exciting news popping up in the world Nintendo partnerships in a different direction and I'm referring to the rumor of a Zelda television show so the report stems from oh boy yeah the report stems from the usually very reliable the rap who claims that um, the guy who produces the Castlevania animated series for Netflix whose name I am blanking out on at the moment me too I think it's, his last name is like Shank, Shankar Shankson. or something but I don't know what his first name is anyway He's in talks with Nintendo, supposedly, to produce a Zelda show. And he also posted on his own Instagram a note saying that he's working with an iconic Japanese game company on an iconic video game series, and he'll reveal it on the 16th. Now, technically, that description does apply to pretty much anything. 
Like even Castlevania would have fit that bill if it didn't already exist. It's gonna be a Monster Hunter show. You think? Is it gonna be set with Marines in the future going back to the past? It's gonna be a proper Monster Hunter show. Ah. But the rap disagrees. The rap seems pretty confident it's Zelda. But they don't know anything beyond that. Well, they're dumb. I mean, let, let's run with the Zelda thing, though. Let's say it is. Like, what, you know, will it be animated? Will it be live action? What will the story be? Will it will follow Link games? Talk? Will it go in its own direction? Now, here's the thing. I don't actually want Link in it at all. Here's my, here's my problem with that. I think the fact that Link has been silent this long and has been pitched as this sort of avatar connecting the player of Zelda to the world of Hyrule means that it's pretty much impossible for him to be included in whatever form the show takes without getting shades of cheese or cringe of the old Zelda cartoon. Like, I don't think there's a way they can make Link not cringy because his role has always been your avatar, basically. Your silent avatar. However, I do think there's a ton of potential to explore the Zelda world, either in animation or live action. Like, they can easily do something set in the history of Hyrule, you know, maybe show how Ganondorf rose to power within the royal family, something like that like I'd, I'd even be on board with some sort of like multifaceted power struggle story like game of thrones i just don't think link should be there or part of it like i think it'd be better if it's like an samuel expanded Dietz. universe what samuel deets who's that director of Castlevania. no no not Africa. the director the producer oh producer yeah the guy that basically spearheaded the whole project mm. and made it a reality addy shanker i looked it up ah. Anyway, and you know, it's funny that we talk about him because Castlevania... Powerhouse Animation is in Austin, Texas? Sure, but... <laughs> That's the animation studio. I wonder if they're even involved. Like, what would you... They're the ones that animated it. No, I mean, it, with oh. Zelda, too. Like, what would oh. you want to see? Like, I'm I'm being very clear. I don't want Link, but, like, what would you want out of Zelda? Would you prefer animation, live action, Link in it, Link not? Because I... think animated. You think that would work better for the Zelda world? Because, like, Game of Thrones... In theory, yeah, shows you could do that sort of but, setting. I don't know. It is a little cringier when they try and do real life. Game of Thrones is cringy. Um, it's not, but okay. I mean, personal opinions. I know. Yeah. Yours just happens to be wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding. Anyway, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't really have anything. I don't. Really I just know don't what want I Link. Want. I just don't want Link. Maybe we just shouldn't have a Zelda show. Well, let me ask you this, um, because you did mention the production the director and the animation studio and all that of Castlevania like that's pretty well received right it just got picked up for season 3 by deadline or according to deadline yeah, um, I mean, they do Netflix really... picked it up like it's I have mean, you watched have... any of it I watched an episode is it how is it like is this guy this Addy Shanker guy is, is if Zelda becomes reality is it in good hands based on what you've seen of Castlevania it seems like it I mean it would definitely be if it's anything like the Castlevania I guess it'd be geared towards like a more adult audience which I don't yeah. know is it, if that's what Nintendo would want I mean, at one point, I they like almost they did a live-action Zelda with Amazon. So. I mean, I feel like they would want, like, something that is good for all ages. I could see them doing a PG thing. They would have, like, really awesome fight scenes. But it's very animated in a very anime kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. See, that, that, that almost... That, seemed... that, that, that's almost that, I know that kind of stuff can be polarizing to some people, just, like, the way that moves. I feel like it's not that weird for Zelda. I mean... They already have the the Zelda mangas that come out in the West, and they also like Link, I don't know how weird it's that being weird. Link's design lends itself well to anime. Mm-hmm. His face already looks a little anime. No, oh, yeah, I mean, if, if so do... I think if they were to do an animated one, it would have to be that sort of whether real or like pseudo, but anime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
But is is the animation good in Castlevania? Like you're an animation buff. Like is the animation is powerhouse or other image? Did they pull it off? Like mm-hmm. if if they were basically clone like clone Castlevania but make it Zelda, would that yeah, I work? Mean, it, it, it feels like a high budget anime. So I mean that's like, that's always a good thing. right right. We I mean, pretty much means you don't have characters as static as usual. Mm-hmm. It animates like the Boondocks. Let's put it that way. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. Well, not where I thought you were going, well, but okay. Well, because the, the Boondocks, like, I mean, they're the way that show is animated is not like a traditional American show. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, it's not like The Simpsons where characters are more like, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, fluid. Yeah. It's more like real life kind of stiff. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Because ca- American cartoons are very flowy, I feel like. But that was also the intention for the Boondocks when they made it, especially right. because like they, when they do have fight scenes, they're like way over the top. It's like they spent their whole budget on those. But. <laughs> right, right. But I, I will say, like, whatever form, I guess, Zelda takes, it is... I mean, it seems like it's in good hands if, if it if is, it, if, if it's, this is the If case. it's real. And, and, I mean, that's what's nice and rather refreshing about, like, all of Nintendo's current media partnerships. It would be kind of interesting to see Zelda join, like, almost like a normal... Like, oh, everyone has seen the new Zelda show, even people that don't care about video games. Right? Wouldn't that be kind of... And that's ultimately what Nintendo's goal is, like, with all the other media projects. But, but what's nice is, like, what I was trying to say is that, like, so you're saying you prefer almost like a Gotham except just less Batman? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, Link isn't a character. Link is you. You are Link. His name is Link because he's linking you. Like, the, the, he should not be his own thing. Make a new character. I mean, Breath of the Wild kind of made him Link. I mean, you can't even change his name. He's Link in that one. Yeah, but he's still, if like, anything, he still he, doesn't talk. He's still kind of a conduit for you as a person, as a player. I mean, he doesn't talk, but, I don't know, it almost kind of makes him mysterious. It's like, I want to know more about his backstory. Like, what made him that way? Because he's obviously, like, they're... That's true. There are cutscenes where him and Zelda are interacting yeah, he's and like, all that. But. He's, like, committed, but also, like, to a fault, he's too loyal. So, like... I like what's his deal? Like what happened yeah. to him? Yeah, I guess I, I guess I could because, see it playing. Out. I, I just don't like him talking. I don't know. That's weird to me. I don't know. They could figure out some brilliant way to have him not talk. No, but then that's just weird. I don't know. That's like, like I, that's why I'm like just it's weird because entirely. It's weird because we don't have the capacity to think of a way to make it not. Weird. I don't have the mental capacity to think of Link with a voice. Honestly, exactly. that goes beyond yeah, and that's that's why we're not writers. That makes sense. Hey, I'm a writer. I write these beautiful outlines for every episode. This, this, no. <laughs> I'm not a fiction writer, um, or even a writer of prose. I just bullet things. But you, you puke on your computer keyboard and and then regurgitate it verbally a day or two later. Yeah, but uh, what I was gonna say though is to your point about like it's in good hands. If it is this company, it is nice that Nintendo's current partnerships like they do seem to care about putting out quality product this time around. Like they know it'll reflect on the IP poorly if they don't, and it. It seems like a silly thing to be like, wow, Nintendo cares. But, like, given how badly it all went down the first time with Mario and Zelda and all that, it's nice to know that, like, Nintendo's at least aware and working to prevent it. I don't know. I, I, I think where that became most apparent to me recently was there's this interview with um, the founder of Illumination. There's a studio doing the Mario movie, right? And he was telling Variety that they're putting Miyamoto, quote-unquote, like, front and center, their words, in the creative process just to ensure that's not a repeat of the old Mario movie like they identified that as one of the big flaws and he went on to say how they aren't falling into the pitfall of like the mindset that Hollywood knows better than the creator of how to make their project into a movie and to me like whether that pans out remains to be seen but to me that seems like a really positive step in the right direction and we're already seeing it kind of we're we're seeing this sort of new approach already happening with um Detective Pikachu as well. So there are these early test screenings of the movie um, 
So for, first, Pokemon Company had a similarly big, important central role in Detective Pikachu, as Miyamoto supposedly does for Illumination with Mario. And um, there's been these early test screens of Detective Pikachu. A site called Super Bro Movies claims to have inside info on how the first one went. Um, I have no idea whether this is legit or not. I can confirm, you can confirm, we can confirm 100%. The test screening has in fact happened. It is real. But whether this is the feedback or not is up in the air. But what, assuming they're telling the truth, what they're saying is that the movie's actually really good, potentially the best video game movie ever. Ryan Reynolds, he apparently nails the being Pikachu. He has good chemistry with the human lead, played by just, uh, Justice Smith. I Justin think it's, Roiland? No, I think it's Justice Smith. He's definitely not Justin <laughs> Roiland. There's no, like, I don't know, Pikachu. Like, none, none of that. But, um, like, the CGI is supposed to be good. Uh, while not done, like, Pikachu looks well and it all fits well and that sort of thing. Pikachu furry or just make well so apparently they are going for they apparently are going for hyper realistic so I suspect he's furry but he's probably like you know he probably some moose or something in his fur to mat it down give it that straw like texture that people with gel in their hair have I don't know but but what's supposedly um, cool about this is so the movie itself is good it it, it's needs to be what needs to be but also has a bunch of deeper nods and easter eggs for diehard fans but not in a way supposedly that drags down the movie as a standalone story so the fact that they're able to cater to both audiences and apparently successfully do it because they got the people that know the franchise best, Pokemon Company, involved gives me a lot of hope that Mario will do the same thing and really that everything Nintendo's doing with these media partnerships will work in a similar way. Because, you know, Nintendo, they're sort of the parent company of Pokemon Com- of uh, Pokemon Company. So they, if this works for Pokemon Company, I don't know why it wouldn't work for Nintendo proper. And, um, you know, we're hearing about this approach with everything. Like, even Universal Studios apparently... Miyamoto is very heavily involved in the theme park for Nintendo. So I'm pretty confident, given all that, that if this Zelda show turns out to be real, whatever form it takes, it's going to be pretty cool. And it's probably going to do, uh, it's probably going to represent the franchise well and only grow the franchise bigger to your earlier point. Like, wouldn't it be weird if people are like, did you watch the new Zelda or whatever? Like, it's, this could be a cool moment. So we'll see. We'll see. But the, the, the ducks are all kind of lining up in a row correctly here. So I'm, I'm pretty confident. The eggs are lining up. Yeah, they're not ducks yet. That's true. But yeah, eggs can't line don't up. Can't, don't count them until they until hatch. Until they hatch. I know. Those are chickens, but fair. Yeah, um, same, same idea. I know. Anyway, Jesus. Let's, let's, uh, let's switch to the final thing, the final topic of the episode, which is what we've been playing for our final act of our episode's fighting theme. Yes, and I have been playing God of War again. Revisiting it right before Smash Brothers comes out because... Well, that's not at all. I, I, I thought re- you were going to say. I really have to beat that game before it comes on end. Well, it just keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. I thought they scaled back on the, the God of Warness of it, where you fight like these there are giant things and it makes you feel tiny. But no, they, they kept it in there. I'm, what is what is happening right now? <laughs> where did that come from? I mean, you, I didn't even know you were playing it. I mean, it's cool you're playing it. I mean, I of course I've been playing I... it. I have to play it before that. I haven't been playing Smash Brothers. I mean, I'm now, I think, 40 days sober at this point. Okay, first of all, you played Smash Bros. with 42. me. You played Smash Bros. with me, and I know that doesn't count in your mind, but if you do drugs with a friend, you're still doing the drug. I can't be like, well, I haven't snorted I'm cocaine on my own, but I did do a bump with my buddy in the club. And you still did cocaine. <laughs> no, because it's a completely different game when I'm playing with friends. I'm not addicted to playing Smash Bros. with friends. I'm addicted to playing one versus one online. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a social drinker. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I mean... I guess. Right, like, right. Obviously, that comparison. And yes, like, I am comparing playing Smash Bros. to the worst vices you could think of and how you can harm your body. But 
whatever. The joke only works if I do. So besides God of War, which also has a fine game, a fight to it, so sure, that kind of fits our theme. I was going to say we've been playing... Hearthstone, because they just announced... Oh. <laughs> at BlizzCon, they just announced Rakashan's Rumble, which is the new expansion. And Rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't even know if I pronounced it right, but I'm pretty hyped for it. Getting, trying to rank up right before that expansion comes out. Cause... I'm curious. I'm going to try this again. I wonder if you have a third. I really want to know. For our, I'm going to literally... I have the intro written down, because I want to make sure I nailed it. For the final act of our episode's fighting theme, let's talk about what we've been playing, which is... Towerfall. All right. Go ahead. That that works. Played a little bit. <laughs> you wanted to do impressions once you played four-player, right? Yeah. Because you've only done, like, one-player. Yeah, I've only done the single-player, which is actually a one-through-four-player, but it seems like it'd be a lot more fun with multiple people. So, so you'll report back once you have? Yeah, so I'll report okay. back. Because that is a game that I am very hyped to talk about. But the game I really want to talk about is Siberia. Where are these coming from? What is Siberia? Siberia? Like, that is on Switch. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. I have not been playing it, though. I, I have no interest in that game. It looks like it, it's a port of an old game, if I'm not it mistaken. It is. Yeah, and there's two of them, in fact. Really? I believe there's a Siberia, too. Oh. I don't know anything about it either. I didn't even know why you brought Like, I never would have guessed I'd hear Siberia come out of your mouth. I, yeah, I know if there's a woman or something like that. It does have a woman mm-hmm. in it, and it is it rendered with polygons. Yeah, but, but I have been playing um, a little bit of Ultimate Chicken Horse, though. Okay, so we'll start with that. Fine. Okay, that's when we actually told people we were going to talk about. And then after that, we'll do Brawlhalla, which brings our theme to a close and our episode to a close. But yeah, how is Ultimate Chicken Horse? Because that, that's a multiplayer first game, right? Or like yeah. a multiplayer-centric? Yeah, it's a multiplayer-centric game, and like many, I mean, the title does kind of get your interest because it's like Ultimate Chicken Horse. Like, what, is, is it like the that horse game you play with basketball where you have to like match the shot that someone else did? Is everyone there? It has ultimate. Is everybody here? I mean, I guess. Is there a chicken and a horse? All the animals that I assume they plan to put in there are in there. <laughs> so everybody's there. Sweet. Okay. And um, while it is a multiplayer-centric game, I did basically just play online to fill in the empty void. But the art style is a very, it's not an artsy 2D platform. It's just a 2D platformer in the vein of Super Meat Boy. Like the f- controls are almost the same and the way it looks is almost identical too. But, so I almost brushed it off and just like, eh, I don't really need this. But then um, a friend of mine, he kind of like told me about it. He saw some videos and he said it looked really interesting. And that kind of got me to look back at it again. And then I just bought it. I just kind of took a chance on it. And it's really fun. It has a really interesting concept. Essentially, four people, up to four people, play on a very simple map. You just have a starting line and a finish line. And typically, you could get to the finish line in, I would say, like, less than 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, the first time you go through it, it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. But then the second time, then you have to replay that level, and everyone picks an obstacle. And then everyone has like 15 seconds or so to place that obstacle somewhere on the map to try to kill someone or just inconvenience them. And that also, and so then the round starts again. Right. And everyone goes through the same course, but now there's a few obstacles in the way, including your own. So you have to dodge your own obstacle because you obviously want to block everybody and you'll start in the same spot while mm-hmm. dodging theirs and get to the point. If you manage to kill someone with the obstacle you placed, you get points even if you don't make it to the end. And if you win, again, you obviously get points for that. You get points for winning first. And then you go through it again, and everyone drops more obstacles. And you do it until you get enough points to win the round or to win the match. So by the end of it, there's just a bunch of obstacles. And you can place obstacles so that it's impossible to beat the level. 
but luckily they thought of that and they created a bomb icon that while unfortunately it does mean that you can't place an obstacle that turn you can destroy a previously placed obstacle and that's pretty much the game just different layouts different traps you could play as a horse a chicken a raccoon a sheep a pig like different barnyard animals and oh it's really fun it's a fun hectic party game kind of like it feels like what I would want, or it just sounds like, I haven't played it, it sounds like what I would imagine a Runbo sequel would be if Runbo had to come up with a new way to do Color Master now that the Wii U gamepad doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Uh. I mean, technically, Runbo, you can use, I think, buttons to do the same basic idea. But, like, the idea of, like, you're creating obstacles for other players and you try and win by making it difficult for other players reminds me of Runbo. But it sounds really fun. Is it yeah. local only? or It's, did it's they... both. So you could do local... I did give you the second option, but local only or online only. There you go. Yeah, that's how it's so close. it is online. Yeah, yeah, you could you could play exclusively online or you could play exclusively local. It's up to you. Right, the right. choice is yours. Interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting game. I recommend it. It's only fourteen bucks, fourteen ninety nine, or or thirteen ninety nine. One of those. And it's worth it at that price. Uh, you know what? I would say so, but at I'm kind of, I'm feeling kind of hesitant. Maybe if you wait for a sale, I feel like ten bucks is perfect. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a constant stream of friends to play with, then I would say it definitely is. Yeah, I mean you're our party you're host, so I can you, see you, I can see it being worth it for you. It's for a sure. it's a very good. It could easily make a good drinking game. It's a good just party game. It's a good rage inducing game. It's hmm. a game to balance between like your Mario parties, your crawls, your Jackboxes. I mean, right, it's just right. it's a nice fun diversifies. Variety. Yeah, and it's it sounds very fun. And it's another one that's unlike any other because I mean this is a platform game but it's like a race it's almost like a racing platform see again the Rumbo comparison yeah but Rumbo um like Rumbo I eventually get but I mean I've also we also played Rumbo well I didn't mean so so it's nice to have another game I mean it's different it's yeah the hook the nice thing about this is that you are placing the traps on like Rumbo where everything is preset right unless you're the color master guy but But, is that even a thing on the switch I think you might be able to do it through buttons I don't know who knows? Yeah, like four directions, four I, different I colors. We'll find out eventually. One day. In the meantime, there's another game we've been playing that I've been building towards for like ten straight minutes here. Um, Brawlhalla. The free-to-play Smash Bros. before Smash Bros. The free-to-play Smash Bros. that isn't Smash Bros. And we've both been playing it. Yeah. I, w- I would say it's an interesting mix of fighters. Like, in a fun way. Like, structurally, it's Smash Bros. You got 2D fighting... You're knocking players off. It leverages a lot of the smash mechanics, like, you know, a button plus stick dictating different attacks, that sort of thing, or the ability to charge up your move by holding down a button. But it also has multi-button combos, like a normal fighter, um, which is kind of interesting. And the true distinguisher, to me at least, is how the characters and the items work. Like, that's very different. Like, you choose a character, you pick where your little Valkyrie-like flying guy will drop, like, what that guy looks like. You pick your color, you pick your weapons, and then when you're on the battlefield, what happens is generic weapon icons will pop up or plop down, and if you go over them and press Y, you gain your pre-assigned weapons. And there are some random items on, as well that you can grab, like bombs, spikes, um, this mines. horn, mines, this horn that calls in like a, a fireball thing. thing. But mostly, you're using your pre-assigned weapons and making sure you can make, or you know, making sure that those help you win or lose the battle like those are kind of the big deal like the other stuff is just on top of it it's the weapons your weapons that really make a difference and it, it does try to distinguish itself from normal smash beyond just that in like some small interesting ways like you do wall jumps instead of ledge grabs so there's no real like up b recovery we're talking about here instead you just have multiple wall jumps and they all have limited range 
meaning you have to be near a wall to do the wall jump. But once you get to any surface, once you're touching a surface, you can perpetually just keep doing wall jumps. There's no crazy long-range recovery. They all be relatively short, but then you can kind of work your way up a ledge or whatever. Um, I think some of the ways they tried to differentiate from Smash work better than others. I think they made a decision of putting each player's health on the top right corner of the screen, which really feels like it was done strictly to differentiate from Smash having them along the bottom under the main battle. Honestly, in my opinion, they're kind of worse up top because um, you really need to look away from the gameplay to see everyone's health. But you also don't really need to look at it that often, so it's not horrible. But some other decisions, like if a player disconnects when you're playing online, it automatically becomes a CPU. That's smart. I like the fact that it has a GG button at the end of each online That's match. I don't know what Smash Bros. does, except it comes after like a laggy stutter. This and is then, instant, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're, your opponent is playing like much worse and they're barely attacking and you're like, yeah. oh their left this is definitely more instant and it even tells you that like you know the player disconnected you're now playing a computer so i kind of like that um i am curious as our fine game aficionado on the random town podcast what do you think of the whole system with pre-assigning weapons and everything like it is pretty different from smash it's funny i i really like it because it makes it different like it we don't need another smash clone that's trying to be smash this is like we like the idea of smash so we're just gonna kind of take it and do our own thing with it like brawl out yeah, it's fun, but it's trying to be Smash Brothers. Rivals of Ether is trying to be Smash Brothers. This one, it's like they took the concept of Smash Brothers and kind of fused it with arms. Also an interesting comparison. Because in arms, you have pre-assigned arms that you get. You actually get two, just like this one. You have two weapons. Right. And the characters themselves don't really make a difference. Like You're pretty much just picking how you want to look. It's a stag thing. Or you're really picking the characters mainly for the weapons that they provide because... The weapons drop onto the battlefield often enough that you're you're probably going to be playing with a weapon 90% of the time. Yeah, it's like every few seconds. And the weapon dictates pretty much how your character moves and fights. So if you like playing quickly, then you might want to get someone that has like the little shanks or like the guns. Or if you want a heavy character, then you might want to look for the hammer or right. like the lance. So it just comes down to like your arms, you know, like the arms, like your... Ah, um, like yeah. your arms, like your weapons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I... I see what you and, did there. Yeah, and it's really fun. And I, I will say it's funny. It's similar. Or sorry, you're gonna say something else. Like yeah, that. and and I like how the arms also like change your mobility sometimes too. Like your your up B equivalent, which is your recover. You could do three total. You could either do three double jumps, or you could do a mix between up Bs and double jumps. Gesundheit. <laughs> but again, it is worth mentioning as he's sneezing. Gesundheit. It is worth mentioning that like the recoveries are not at all the same as like a. Smash Bros. Like you don't have the same range. It's all about getting yeah, to a there, wall and then wall jumping up the side. Yeah, and everyone has the, the same identical ones. If everyone yeah. just double jumps, or if you happen to have a cool weapon, you up B, and sometimes that makes a huge difference. Like yeah, like one of the characters I was using has a lance that it's like a gas powered lance, and you could charge it kind of like Diddy Kong's rocket barrels, and they could go really far up, and then they could jump again, and then move really far up again. Right, so, right. So yeah, there is some flexibility there, but I, I will say it, it's funny because the weapon system makes it pretty different. Actually, the arms comparison is a really good one, but I did just because it is so familiar in structure, like you're on a 2D plane and everything. When I started playing it for the first little while, I kept trying to play it like I was playing Smash Bros, just like the muscle memory was there. But it is different enough that you can't actually get away with doing that. Like I was doing horrible. Yeah, dodging, you could only do it like once every few seconds. Yeah. And, and like the jump button and the attack button are switched and that sort of thing. But like once you get the hang of it and shed some of that Smash muscle memory, it is pretty fun. I think the the one thing that is like, oh, Smash does this, but well, they're different. There's things that Smash does a lot better. But one thing that really jumped at me initially was, I kind of miss having familiar faces. 
Like, it's kind of cool that Rayman's in it. You can unlock him. Shovel Knight's in it. There's rivals uh, Ether. of Ether characters. Um, but, like, I don't... Like, Cassidy the random cowgirl or, like, Koji the random samurai. I or... fighting games can only have... Like no, pre-existing character. No, no, no. I'm not saying. No, I'm just saying. Characters. Wow. No, yeah. I it's want, not his fault that it's not listen, a crossover. Listen, bonanza. all I want out of everything I do is familiarity. <laughs> no, um, no. The thing that just struck me is when I because it felt so much like Smash. I'm just like, oh, it's weird that like I don't know who any of these people are, which is fine. It's just when you combine it with the Smash Muscle Memory, I was just kind of like, oh, this is. Yeah, this feels weird. But then once I got over that, it is fun. And, like, the nice thing... Or... Remember when Mario was, like, some random character that you I know, I'm, I'm saying it's fine. It just Jeez. took me a second to adjust. I mean, I was actually using Scarlet. I really like Scarlet. She's a witch, but she's a modern-day witch. She has, like, Digimon goggles on her head and stuff. And she's great. But uh, the one nice thing about this game... That... Look at ARMS. At least what it had going for it was that it actually had really cool characters that we ended okay, up liking. Okay, I get it. No, but uh, I do. I, I, what, I wasn't trying to say it's a bad decision. I was trying to say when you're playing a game that your body's telling you this is Smash and then you see characters you don't recognize, you're like, kind of just confused. <laughs> but um, I, I do like the fact that it's free to play. It Anyone can jump in. Um, you can just download and go. The downside, though, is that a lot of it is behind paywalls. Like having Rayman as a playable character, if yeah. you want Rayman, is actually kind of expensive. It's you like seventy-two hundred coins, and you only get double-digit ones per match when you win. Yeah. You can use Rayman in training mode, but you can't use them online until you buy them. Exactly. Yeah, um, and it's also interesting because, like, I don't really know how the coin system fully works. Like, there were coins that you and I saw that we didn't know how to get or what to do with. Like, yeah, at first I thought there was just the regular coins, but then there's mammoth coins, and then there's like skill coins and yeah yeah and I don't really know I mean we'd have to dive deeper but I don't really know the that's, whole that's the one annoying thing about free to play games they always have like multiple layers of currency yeah it's like a currency to buy a currency to then spend on a third currency but but I will say that like between just regular fights and they have a they have missions so they have daily goals kind of like any free to play game where if you do one or two things in a day they'll give you extra coins like that I got within 25 minutes of playing I had 1200 coins already and Rayman 72 so like after a few days you know, it's not that hard to unlock. Um, I, I imagine the more you play, the more that slows down and it becomes more difficult to get coins or things get really expensive. But at least at first, like, the missions are a nice way to give you more replayability. Um, sheer amount of stuff you can do in the game is also kind of nice. I mean, first of all, your characters you can customize as you can do in any free-to-play game at, like, great lengths. Not just weapons, and but, like, accessories, color. Uh, the cosmetic stuff doesn't really matter as much. But it is kind of nice just to have, and you do, depending on which fire you're using, you can level them all up individually and unlock more stuff individually, so there's replayability there. But it's also just a nice variety of modes. I mean, they have casual and ranked, which is something Smash can't even do, right? Um, and within those options, they have free-for-alls, they have what they call Strikeout 1v1, where each stock against someone is a different character, so it's almost like a Marvel versus Capcom dealio, kind of. Um... They have a 2v2, they have experimental 1v1 called Test Lab, where you can basically go try things against real opponents online, which is something that I kind of wish like the training mode in Smash would do. It's an interesting idea. Uh, and they also have, and this is one I'm very excited for, they have Kung Foot from Rayman. Uh, yeah, fan favorite one. Is it a fan favorite? I don't know. I'm a fan, it's my favorite, so I guess so. But yeah, I like this trend of fighting games randomly sticking sports into them. Like, ARMS does it with hoops, ARMS does it with V-Ball, um, and now we have it with soccer, with Kung Fu. I mean, all you do, basically, is there's two teams of two, and there's a soccer ball. Instead of just attacking each other, you're also trying to hit the ball onto either side of the map, and that's it. But, I don't know, I, I liked it. It's a little more casual-friendly. It's uh, as variety. 
and they're doing like an in-game event for it right now and yeah i i, I like one game my i i tweeted the other day i think my favorite video game subgenre at the moment is sports games hidden inside fighting games or just other games yeah and and kung foot just nails it like i thought it was interesting when um during the summer overwatch had lucio ball which is basically just soccer but yeah. everyone was playing as the lucio character because his gun is like a giant speaker so you're mm-hmm. just pushing the ball towards the goals yeah like that sort of stuff is fun like the game within the game is always fun so yeah. so i mean like brawl hall is pretty fun and you know it's free to play so it's worth just checking out but kung fu like i found myself playing that more than the core game which was kind of after a while which is funny like it, the core game is fun but i just really gravitated towards kung fu um so yeah that's kind of brawl hall i mean it's free to play, so it's not like we need to be like, you should spend your money or you shouldn't. Like, check it out. It's worth – if nothing else, it's a good uh, way to spend some time waiting for Smash Bros. Yeah. Kind of primes you for it. Definitely. But it gets to be its own thing. I will say one little nitpick, and this is true of Brawlhalla. It's true of Fortnite. It's true of Rocket League. I don't like this whole thing of console games having main menus that look like they're taking off a PC. Yeah, make them like I don't know why they all do that. I don't like having to figure out that like oh minus access that tiny menu in the yeah. Top and like why right is the corner? key for what the buttons do the size of like an ant? Like I, it's just especially when you're playing in handheld mode, it's so tiny. Like fix that. All those games, all those games are great, but if all of you fix that, you'll just be so much better. And I think we'll leave you with that, unless there's anything else. No, that's pretty much it. You managed to sneak in three games that I didn't even know you were going to talk about. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. I, I said everything I wanted to I say. know. So so I guess we'll be back Thanksgiving weekend with our full impressions of Pokemon Let's Go. That's our next episode, plus all the latest news and oh, more. Oh, I guess it's out of curiosity. What are your thoughts on um, a potential Shrek reboot? Uh, apparently, they're keeping the voice cast, but they're just changing but the art style. keeping Smash Mouth? You know, somebody once told me that it's not a good idea to keep Smash Mouth unless you want it to become a meme. And then like the world was going to show me, and I'm waiting for that to happen. So maybe the movie will well, be. Well, you weren't the sharpest two in the shed, so I don't know. Wow, we we went three <laughs> lines deep. That is two more than expected. <laughs> so you know what? Let's just end on that wonderful note. So the new episode with Pokemon Let's Go and everything else it'll be up on November 25th, which I know is a busy time. That's Thanksgiving weekend. So the best way to ensure you don't accidentally miss it, you can follow us on Twitter at Ramtown. You can subscribe to us on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, um, TalkNado. Only one of those is fake. I'll let you figure out which. It's the last one. Um, but you can find us on all those. You can follow us individually on Twitter. I am JSR7. He is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And yeah, it does it pretty much. So now um, we're going to spend the rest of our night completing the lyrics to All Star, I assume. 